Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Podcast. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to remind you guys that we have our new show coming up for us to review, and it's up to you to vote on who wins. On our Twitter, we only have 40-something or 60-something votes in the poll out of the thousands of listeners that we have, so we need you guys to get on it. Those of you who haven't done so yet, please just go to Twitter, even if you don't have a Twitter account. You can just go to twitter.com in the search field, search Coffee Clatch Crew, that's Clatch with a K. You'll see our uh, poll on our page and just vote. There's three movies there, Black Mirror, Falling Water, and Westworld. If you want to know more about that, download our latest podcast before this and we describe every episode and we give you clips and we tell you how to vote and how to follow us in the future. Mr. Robot's over for this year, but the podcast isn't over. If you listen to us on the Mr. Robot channel, just go ahead and search on whatever podcast feed that you have. Just search Coffee Clatch Crew. That's Clatch with a K. And you'll see our main channel, which is a white background with our little icon dude on a microphone. That one will have every podcast we ever do. So you'll never miss any. All right, back to the show. I believe in fate. There's a reason we met. There's something between us. I can see it. You're only seeing what's in front of you. You're not seeing what's above you. I don't understand. I, I want to. Help me understand. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. used to say that to me all the time as a child. It was the only English he knew. Some silly poem. It meant very much to him. I use it as a reminder. A reminder of him. And a reminder of what I never want to become. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot season finale episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. I'm Ryan Gemmel. And I'm Jamal Patterson. The whole team is here, and we're ready to review, give our analysis, tell you what we were right on, and not tell you what we were wrong on, (laughs) so that you forget. (laughs) We're never wrong. And all of you fans who are so <laughs> eager to get Ryan back for the finale, he's here. He's yes. here. We had to pay him like $2 million, <laughs> but he's here. Uh, I think it was worth it. My <laughs> gems. I didn't money to come here. 
So we're going to review episode 12, that's 2.9 in robot language, Python part two, written and directed by Sam Esmail. IMDb gave it a 9.4, although we have a record low on Rotten Tomatoes of 69%. Whoa! What has it been other times? Now, I think there was only like 15 votes votes up there so far. However, in a lot of our past episodes, there weren't many votes, and it was still in the 90s. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, these are the expert reviews? On Rotten Tomatoes, the critic reviews. Right. I mean, I read a bunch of articles, and it seems like a lot of people are upset with how it ended Mm -hmm. because they're stupid. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, the, I, the fans are more up and the critics are more down. Right. I really think this is one of the episodes, and you know what? One of the seasons that if you go back and watch it again, you're going to really appreciate it more right. than the first time. Oh, we'll find about this later. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, well, I, did you guys read the Vox article about uh, Mr. Robot? No, no, I did not. Uh, so about the finale, they were saying that that, yeah, this is a setup for... It was. They basically said that it was a, a setup for season three. This was a long trailer, which I, you know, I can kind of see that. But there are a lot of stuff that we covered in this. But it also helped move the story along for all the other characters. We weren't centralized on just Elliot, so we're kind of getting different perspectives and falling yeah. in love with different characters and not just basing it on. One character. <laughs> Elliot and Robot. Right. But uh, saying that if, and I was afraid of this at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, obviously you guys have all watched the episode uh, at this point if you're listening to it now. But if Elliot had died at the end of this season, I don't think the show could have survived at all. No. Even with them building these other characters up. No. But uh, I, I still even, think that it needed these other characters. I don't even know that that was a question in my mind. Even right. after he got shot, if they would have just cut it right there. I was terrified. In, in my oh, head, like, I would have never believed that, that he could he die. Yeah. My I, fears going into this, I understood that Sam was doing setup for season three. He's talked about that before. I was fine with that. I was fine with some of the slow burn. I talked a lot last episode about the fact that he gave so many questions and planted so many flags, and I just needed a certain amount of them answered mm-hmm. by the end of this season. That's the way you keep people hooked for a next season, especially when your viewership is down from mm-hmm. season one. So I don't feel that he answered quite enough of that. No, I was very happy with the Me too. this episode as far as what he answered. I disrespectfully disagree. I was so satisfied that yeah. my eyes rolled back <laughs> in my head. Passed out well, afterwards. Well, we have to have Had opposing cigarette. viewpoints, right? So I <laughs> yeah. guess it's no, 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 no. You need to sit down with me while I cry and I explain. Oh, is that what I need to do? So you're You're confident you can turn me and not vice versa? You turned Tom earlier today. No, I turned Tom earlier today. If you just hear the plan, if you know how special you are, Christina, and (laughs) how much has been sacrificed for you, Uh you would understand. Once you just have to understand my plan and... (laughs) <laughs> Our plan and what we're trying to do, and and you'll be turned. Yeah. Yes, You're White so Rose. Special, Darlene. Yes, You're White just... Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Darlene, White Rose. So I'm not going to be a negative Nancy throughout this episode. I did. Please do. I did like it, and I did like the season, but I'm going to bring up the same problems that I've had throughout, and we will also address that in one of our first segments on questions for the finale. But before we do that, just a little fun piece of previous episode trivia. 
Going back to our last episode where they showed us the Commodore 64, one of the things we missed was that among the early video games available for that was Mr. Robot and his Robot Factory. Oh, nice. Which what was released was in 1984. Oh, I got to YouTube that and see what it was about. <laughs> I thought you guys might have been familiar with no, it. No, I didn't play any Commodore 64 games. We're too young. And didn't have the I'm money. I was poor. <laughs> what did you say? I'm black. I was poor. So I was <laughs> privileged enough to have well, a Maybe like years later, in like born. 94, you could afford a Commodore 64. Oh, yeah. I was just I was a year old. <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't have it. I was four. All right. So Vicky wrote in and asked us, what is your opinion that they extended some episodes during the season, but the second part of the finale is the shortest episode so far, less than an hour, including commercials? I think I read it was a 43-minute runtime. Mm -hmm. Will this be long enough to answer the questions we want answered? So on that topic, the Hollywood Reporter gave seven questions the finale must answer. This was going into it before we had seen it. Well, I mean... The only reason that it was a shorter episode then was because it was supposed to be a dual episode, right? Right. Yes, so I think that's correct. So that's really why I think it got cut down, and they had to kind of figure out where they were going to end the first half of the finale. Mm-hmm. So, and then I feel like they kind of pushed Falling Rain on everyone with the finale. Falling yeah. Water. Yeah, yeah Falling, falling water. water. Yeah. Yep. Fucking Rain? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so the seven questions they thought we needed answered. What is stage two? Is that really Tyrell? Who's on the phone? Who's been calling Joanna all season long? What happened to Darlene? This is before she, we knew she was alive. Who killed Romero? Is there more to Dom than meets the eye? And is the key in the room? I.e., do we already have the key to all the answers? But these aren't your seven questions. These are just... Hollywood Reporter. Right. So... Although I agree with a fair amount of them. They answered a at lot least of five, like five of those. Maybe and is others. there more about... I don't know that they Why? answered Which one didn't they answer? Well, come we... on, man. Don't you see? Christina's putting on her boxing gloves. Let's get into <laughs> it. <laughs> she was like, guys, I don't know. She, she's got something under her sleeve. She's ready to kill us with something. And I'm... <laughs> I'm afraid and I'm anxious. Let's get into it. So we got a lot of like half answers. What is stage two? Okay. We definitely got a lot of detailed explanations as to how we were going to blow up the building. Right. Right. So that was to get rid of the paper records. But you need to take that farther. Why? Because clearly that's not the whole motive behind stage two. It is. It's to destroy the... Because they're trying to rebuild... The databases, right, and then bring everything back to the way it was. You know, like they're trying to set up their databases again kind and of. have the eCoin. Yes, also, they want the databases and the eCoin, but eCoin could still be implemented without this. Right, they don't need that for it, but they want public trust back. Of course, they right. Do. So, and this would help them because right now people are only on fifty dollars a day, cash wise. They, we went to the bank and we saw that she paid off her whole mortgage, and they're saying right. that they don't have any records of that. Right. They're trying to get everything back in order. Absolutely, and it's a huge piece. But when Elliot first described what they would need to do after they took them down, quote-unquote, it was to pound them into the ground, make sure they could never recover, leave no stone unturned. Just blowing up their paper documents is not going to fully target what 
it Mr. will. These Price are all the planned. records of well, this, this is what thing. It is. It'll destroy I, the confidence. But and think, think, think bigger for a second, though, because Price mm-hmm. was talking about instituting eCoin. He right. was talking about all these other things that he's. But still that's not something that you can plan for. They don't know how they're going to. Uh, Wait, time out. I have an answer for that. Okay. All right. We first heard about stage two in the season's first white rose scene when she was talking to Price. She sensed that Price was opting for the e-coin strategy mm-hmm. and wanted to move up stage two in response. So when she was on the, having that conversation, she mm-hmm. was in front of the vanity mirror. Right. And then she starts talking to her colleague mm-hmm. after they hang up. That's when she's like, what's going on with stage two? Okay. It's in plans, blah, blah, blah. We need to move it up. We need to get it going. Because um, we, we still don't know the exact connection between... Uh, White Rose and Price, but obviously they're not actually working together. Oh, no, they're mm-hmm. enemies. Right. So she's realizing if he gets Ecoin up and rolling, right. stage two won't mean shit because Ecoin won't be affected be by it. Yeah. Right. And no matter what they've been doing to Ecorp, Ecorp has been bouncing back because they have plans for all of this. That, and right. they have the paper records. So they're, well, I don't think the paper records was the whole part of Price's plan to rebuild. I think there were well, many. Well, this is what I'm saying. Bitcoin is his plan. Price's it's, plan. It's what I was hoping for the whole season. This is Fight Club. Like, right. in Fight Club, there's a dual personality. And Tyler Durden is actually trying to be- have economic equilibrium. So it's really not, a, it doesn't matter whether Ecoin comes up or not. If you wipe out everybody's debt, if the largest bank has no records at all and will never ever have records, of anybody's debt and what they owe right now they're just saying we are gonna eventually get your records Mm -hmm. so the mortgage that you paid off we don't have it at this time but the moment it comes where you will never be able to get it back you can't hold anybody responsible for any debt anymore so now you will have an economic equilibrium and that's why tyler durden said he's blowing up the building and at the end of Fight Club, they were right across from the building and they had a view Several to buildings, see but... economic equilibrium mm-hmm. once everything is blown up. I don't know if Elliot wanted to take it that far, but Robot wanted to because you have these big banks. Money's not real. They get us into perpetual debt. Mm-hmm. We borrow from the Federal Reserve. This is all about the banking system. And like I said, 97% of banking, if you look at like what Anonymous is talking about, fractionalized banking system is that. We're in debt for no reason. Right. We are borrowing money to pay off mortgages, mm-hmm. and we are paying these high interest rates. But the only thing that creates actual money is when you sign that mortgage. And then money's printed once the bank produces that mortgage that you were willing to borrow right. mortgage. And mortgage is death pledge. Mort is death, and gauge is pledge. So it's a mm-hmm. death pledge that you're pledging your entire life to pay three times what the house is worth in order to work and just be permanently enslaved. Part of the machine. Part of the machine. That is the hugest plan. If we did that, that is the plan. That is a huge, crazy... It doesn't get any bigger than that because now everybody would be free. Once but we found, out, it, we found out it's not that simple. We're not wiping out everyone's debt. We're also wiping out... Uh, everyone's ability to have their own money that they've worked so hard for. And we're wiping out the records of all the work people have put into who are almost paid off on their houses. But if you don't own any debt on it, 
That's the whole thing. Once you owe no debt, how can a bank get you out of the house? They don't own the asset. The whole thing with, all right, I'll give you an example. Right now in our court system, and it's happened a couple of times, banks sell mortgages. So let's say like my mortgage, right? It's already been sold to Fannie Mae. If I decide not to pay my mortgage and I go to court and Fannie Mae cannot find the original record that I signed with Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. they can't charge me for that debt. That debt is wiped out and I get to stay in the house. Is it your house? What, what about the record that it's your house? It, no, I paid for it, right? Okay. So once they can't prove that I owe them the debt, Mm -hmm. The debt is automatically extinguished. They have to prove that I, if I go in there and I say that I don't know, I don't know this mortgage and they can't find the mortgage that I actually signed, then they can't prove that I owe it. And that's just my house. OK, yeah. but what about you wanting to get money to go grocery shopping and you can't prove that you have this such and such bank. in the bank? Well, that well, that's the whole thing. This is the part where. Everything like with the fight club and everything, it's not to say that it's going to they believe that wiping out debt. Right. And the whole monetary system, we would have to build from scratch. Yeah, it, this is this is called anarchy and anarchists don't have a actual plan for what is going to replace the new plan. They believe that food and everything can be distributed out and nobody has to be competitive yeah. anymore. They're basically getting rid of capitalism. So there's no real plan when it comes to anarchy. The whole thing is to get rid of the big bad guy, but which is what I thought. Was that's what I've been asking all along. Do you really think Elliot's whole plan was just to get rid of the big bad guy? And before you answer, Jason, you just brought up a point that we flew right by. Getting rid of all records. So getting mm -hmm. rid of debt record is a plus side for people, but negatively impacts the big banks. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of the plus side of what people have, the amount that they have in the bank, negatively affects the people because mm -hmm. you can't prove you had this amount of money. So right. by destroying all records, you're actually damaging both the people and the 1%. Yes. You're not just targeting the big banking system. You're targeting everybody. Now, yeah. I don't know that I believe Elliot's whole goal was sheer anarchy. I believe that he wanted to take the people down, and I believe that he would have had a plan for what to do next. It wasn't just destroy everything. Right. Okay, so maybe that's stage three. Maybe that's where I'm wrong. Right. Well, maybe White Rose has that plan, but well, she feels I, more um, about herself. Well, that's what I think about White Rose. White Rose has something for it because I don't think White Rose is in this to end anything. It's like, not about that for her. No, right. It I think seems like it's about White the Washington Ro Township. White Rose has a different plan that's right. going to make him or her the new E Court, honestly. And my whole thing is, I don't necessarily think this is all Elliot's plan we're talking about. We're talking about Mr. Robot's plan. And yes. Mr. Robot, I think, has more sinister plans that are going a little bit more further. I think Elliot's plan would be to help everybody. Mr. Robot is more realistic and knows that you have to break eggs if you're going to make an omelet right. and doesn't mind what the collateral damage is as long as we're going forward. It's just like anarchists. There will be pain. When you're going to do any type of revolution, there'll be death. There'll be pain. Depression. Economies well, will slow. People will starve. But then you, you're you going to get past that and then get into the new golden age. 
So you make that decision for people. You just decide, oh, well, this is what we're going to do Correct. and this is how we're going to do it. But I don't see and that's it being, what happens. I don't see it being flat out sinister. Like you said, I think he just understands that there's going to be yeah, damage along the way. Right. But his ultimate goal isn't just to fuck everybody. He's no. part of Elliot. So in the end, he still does have a purpose that's going to rebuild and create in a better way in their image, in his image. Well, what I mean more sinister, I feel like he's willing to kill. I feel like he's willing to eliminate. Not saying that that he is, but I feel like he's willing to go along with it. I do find it a little bit sinister when people have no choice. You know, you're taking away their freedom. Mr. Elliot is thinking a very small and a very clean cut way where people really don't get hurt and things don't happen this way. Mr. Robot is a little bit different in a sense where the ultimate goal, whether it's right, right or wrong, is the ultimate goal. And if people need to get shot, if I need to get shot, if it, it, it has to go through. It's a religion. And with all religion and things like that, you get the corruption part. And you don't ever look at, well, we're creating this power vacuum. So what's going on? And I think Price, with his, with his, um, with his own cryptocurrency that he wants to be regulated, is already headed there. Mm-hmm. So he's already on to the next step just in case. And we have White Rose. I agree. So White Rose is um, doing something else. But what is his name? Minister Zhang? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Minister Zhang is the partner of Price. So Minister Zhang is really a partner of Price. But White Rose is the enemy. Hmm. And White Rose is the one who needs to... um, go against everything that this guy is doing. Personally, I don't even think White Rose cares that much about what Price is doing and what's going on with banking and money and everything else. I think his purpose is on another level of alternate realities or something that he feels is much more important than these things. But it's a quid pro quo situation. So he's doing this for Price because Price can do this for him, which is protect his Washington Township plant, which I believe houses some bigger purpose. And that's the question I'm really upset that we didn't get a further answer to is a little bit more about White Rose's plant or what's happening with his plans, with her plans. Um, What is the bigger thing? Because we definitely saw this conversion of Angela in action Mm -hmm. in tonight's episode. I see it as I'm excited to learn about it next season. I agree. But I real mean, quick, I feel like it would yeah. be rushed if they put it into this. Um, yeah, well, not the whole shebang. Right, just a little right. teaser taste. That's <laughs> almost that's almost like a, like you know what is God's plan? The first thing that I was more impressed by was getting the acolytes, the disciples, the apostles. Like Angela finally looks like she has real purpose, and the things that were said, the dialogue that was said about how much they love this prophet. Or this God that's bringing all of these things through, it's 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 amazing. Like I I I have more questions. Like you said, like who is the one running this religion? What is White Rose's religion? What is Mister Robot's religion that every that 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 um, Tyrell's converted to? Because is it the same as White Rose's religion that Angela converted to? Who's the hierarchy so. in it? Yeah. Look up to the sky and all these things. And, you know, is the wife, Tyrell's wife, who's been pushing him all this time, the high priestess of this religion? Because she seems very dedicated to something that she doesn't fully understand yet. 
Yeah, mm. and along those lines, in a little bit, Jamal, we had a writer who sent in a long theory, and I'll, I'll condense it down to its bullet points, but a little bit about White Rose that I think you'll appreciate and about this season in general. Can I just uh, go back to, with, with your point about uh, Elliot having a plan mm-hmm. for this, I don't... I don't think he has the resources to know how they would pivot into this. I don't think he could see them pivoting into an e-coin. And I really think that that's where White Rose kind of comes into it. He's at that level where he knows the options they could go for. So that's why it's a good pair up between Mr. Robot with White Rose. Mm. Because, you know, Elliot is... He's an everyday person. He he's not thinking on that head, you know, corporate level of right. what they could do. I, I mean, for he's thinking for, micro, not macro. Yeah, <laughs> for for us, I don't know, laymen or regular people, you think in a storyline that you're just going to defeat this monster and then they're going to die, and that's the end. That's all you hear from. But if it's a big corporation, they're mm-hmm. not going to. They're going to fight to the nail yes uh, and worse and yet adapt that was yeah. that was kind of my point is that i think that price and e-corp are already a little bit ahead and that yes this will be horribly damaging but it's not going to decimate them but that's the way I he mean, was hoping that's good because oh, you, yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's, it's good for the show because you don't want to defeat the villain so early, right. so early there is no story to create a new that. villain and you feel like that's not a real villain right. absolutely Real quick, talking about White Rose, and we, we touched upon it. I just want to bring it all into one thought pattern. We have White Rose who needs to protect the Washington Township. That seems like her one goal, mm-hmm. her main goal. And in doing this, she's working with Mr. Robot to take down E-Corp. But then also stage two is to really put the nail in a coffin, which is to burn even the paper records. Mm-hmm. Yep. But at the same time, uh, Minister Zhang... Mm-hmm. Has sure. to give two billion, three billion dollars to E-Corp. Price for Ecoin. Can you imagine being in that position? Like, shit, I don't want Ecoin to do well, well, but I have to give this much to keep the ball rolling, and hopefully, stage two gets done in time. Elliot well, he's got to is like wa- bugging out somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, can you put yourself in that? I couldn't do it. That's why he's so scheduled. Yes. Yeah. You're right. So those were the Hollywood Reporter's questions. We also have our top three questions for this episode that we're going to try to answer and discuss as we go along. Number one, is Tyrell real? So we did a Twitter poll on this that we put out last week to see what you guys thought about that. And the results are in. 63% of you thought he is real. He's Good alive. Job. He's a real person. Good job, 63%. 37% thought he was not, that he's in Elliot's mind. You guys are idiots. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were back and forth as well. We yeah. had theories of how he could not be real. We were thinking, and we had listeners that tweeted us and emailed us thinking the same thing, that we, he was real, but now he, Mr. Robot, or he, Elliot, killed him, and now mm-hmm. he's a, kind of like absorbed, absorbed that him. personality to make himself stronger. That could have been a possibility, or he is real, or he never was real. So we were back and forth. We didn't have like a defining 
answer totally. to that. Even yeah. up through this episode, I had questions about yeah. it. And Wade wrote into us. He was trying to figure it out before this. He said, I thought if he can see Mr. Robot, then he isn't real. Mm. Then I thought maybe that's why Esmail included the meltdown scene where Cisco and Darlene were seemingly talking to Mr. Robot. So if Tyrell speaks with him, there's still uncertainty. Right. So it got really interesting the ways we were trying to figure that out, and that was all playing into my mind mm-hmm. in the end scene. But we'll talk about that more when we get there. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that went on and voted on the Twitter poll. It's great to see interaction, and we're going to mm-hmm. be having another poll again soon, which we'll tell you about later. So let's oh, it's up. Get it's up. Into that. Oh. oh, yeah, I know it's up, but we'll, oh. we'll announce it again to the listeners. Yes, of course. At the end of the episode. Our second question is, what is White Rose up to? Like we just said, what mm-hmm. is the master plan? And the third question is, why did they send Leon to Trent and Mobley? What's the meaning behind that extra sequence that we see at the end of the episode? We'll talk about that more when we get to the end. For our origin of the title, we talked about Python last episode as it relates to tech notes, which wasn't really as relevant because as we see in this episode, we get a clear explanation from Dom about what she interprets it as. Later on, when she's talking about her strategy for going after F society, she says, it was risky, but I knew we only had one shot to get the man in the middle. It was imperative to get him before he knew we were after him. So we sat back and waited. They call it the Python approach. When it lies in wait for the right moment to strike, you know they can go up to a year without eating? A patient predator, huh? Mm-hmm. Oof. Mm. So I guess that was the meaning of Python, trying to get the, the big man in the middle of it all. Double meaning, definitely. It's also uh, some, it's the way some people code. They code in Python, right? right. So there's definitely a double yeah, meaning. Yeah, we talked about that programming language last time. Okay, here's where we got our listener David wrote in with some of his thoughts on the Python, on the episode, on the season in general. I'll do my best to explain. It was very lengthy and will make more sense if you could read the whole thing, but hopefully I interpreted some of it right. He talks about in last episode's scene where Dom is undressing, you can see a tattoo on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice that? I didn't. But. So it was a tattoo of the Ouroboros snake which is the snake eating its own tail, Mm kind of goes around in a circle. He provided some information with a link so you could read more about what that means. Basically, it's often taken to symbolize self-reflexivity, introspection, and the internal return, or things always being cyclical, especially Mm -hmm. in the sense of something recreating itself, rebirth. It also represents the infinite cycle of creation and destruction, life and death, and what I liked about it was that Carl Jung had interpreted this as having archetypal significance to the human psyche, the human mind related to individuation. The Ouroboros is often a dramatic symbol that's used for integration and assimilation of the opposite. Are you guys familiar with the shadow self in psychology? Peter Pan? <laughs> is, it like, is it like that uh, Jung's the other side of the moon type yeah. of thing? Yeah, okay. how everything yeah, has it. a balance. And so the right. other side of us is the darker side of ourselves, the mm. way we interpret it. Mm. But it's almost a yin and yang thing. Where what he if we're already dark, though? Is, there, is the shadow self the lighter side? It's the part that you keep <laughs> hidden, the part that you're not as comfortable with. But so you project onto others what is a, this almost yourself sometimes, too, right? Like, 
Yeah, because you have trouble really bringing that in and assimilating it as part of you. And I really think that's what we've seen going on with Elliot and his struggle with Mr. Robot, that being the darker side of himself that he can't assimilate and he projects onto another person being Mr. Robot. So I thought that it was amazing that perhaps this is a process we could see resolving itself, if that's the idea of the Python. But it could just be going around and around in an infinite loop. And that's what David believes. He thinks there's some fascinating implications about this, especially as they pertain to White Rose, who embodies dualism, binary, zero and one, male and female, violence and peace, black and white, time and timelessness. Are you a one or a zero? Mm. It's amazing. He thinks that Mr. Robot is moving in a direction that is more esoteric and philosophical, which has been hinted at. When White Rose says, I hack time, it wasn't just a play on words. She may be a strong proponent of a fluid philosophical view of time and perhaps multiple universes. He believes she is a cult leader, which goes far beyond hacking. He says, my educated guess is that the Dark Army is a religious terrorist group with an economic and cyber political agenda, maybe even an axe to grind. Moreover, I think the show is taking us into the minds and perceptions of life through different main characters' view of reality, such as hers. And unifying the show with this totem, enabling us to analyze and make sense of every element through this motif. Okay, so here's his explanation. Season one, loop one. Darlene hacks the E-Corp servers and uploads the rootkit. In episode 10, Elliot executes the rootkit with Tyrell present and allegedly shoots and kills him. Season 2, loop 2, Elliot executes the rootkit in episode 1. And episode 12, we don't know what happens, but he says we could be right back at the beginning and about to witness a rebirth, which is pretty amazing Mm -hmm. because now we see Tyrell executing and him shooting Elliot. Mm. Right. Oh, that's funny. So do we just keep going round and around in this rebirth destruction loop? And that's what the Python symbolizes. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's interesting. That was I mean, do you think, so in season three, Elliot goes back to shooting Tyrell? I don't know what that means yeah. for season three. That was by David? Yes. It's like what they, uh, what they were saying in True Detective, time's a closed circle. Mm-hmm. Like, you repeat everything. You repeat the same conversations, the same jokes, and people say, oh, yeah, you told me that before. So what, and that's, in that type of thing, they think things are being reborn and just repeating this closed time loop. We do it in very small circles, and then we do it in ever-growing big circles, mm-hmm. even death, resurrection, and coming back, and you're just going back, and then eventually you reverse back. And then you reverse back again, but it's just a closed circle. I've seen that, and that's why I've seen that snake eating its own tail. And once you don't remember, once your memories are wiped, you could never remember that you're repeating this same thing over and over again. So it's like being trapped in time. Mm -hmm. Closed cause a loop. And maybe White Rose has figured out a way to break out of that and get information that could Mm -hmm. really take humanity to the next level because she can see beyond that cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. As you guys are saying that, I'm reminding of season one in the Ferris wheel. Because if you think about the ambitions here we were just talking about with F Society and Elliot trying to take down the way we do things, but Price being one step ahead and already building the e-coin and 
bouncing back and maybe by the time they get back on their feet things haven't really changed that much and we just keep repeating so Mm. it's going to take somebody throwing a wrench into that system in order to really effectuate some change Mm. yeah i don't know how she does that but i feel like she must be in the middle of all of it oh definitely she's got her hands on everything I know that was long and kind of wordy, but I think that it was a great explanation of what we're looking at that maybe Mm -hmm. makes more sense of season two for us. All right, I have four music notes that I'll run through quickly for you for this episode. We had The Hall of Mirrors by Kraftwerk, which played as Tyrell took Elliot to where he and the DA had been operating. That was great. I'd never heard that song before. It was a good one, though. It was really, like, very, I don't know. Computer gamey. It was a mixture like of like eight bit, yeah, and like eighties or nineties music. Mm-hmm. As soon when as he started it came singing. up, uh, that's what I said to you. It sounded like video game mm-hmm. music. Then you have Matt Quayle did one point five, asking the impossible, which played as Dom continued to interrogate Darlene and Elliot heard about the plan. You had the moth in the flame. Which I really loved. That yeah. played while Dom took Darlene to the Situation Room. It was very, very, um, like, coincided with what was going on. Mm. It's like, Darlene, don't go with her. She's just going to try to trick you into yeah. revealing something. You are you shouldn't do that. And then the Moth of the Flame, it's like, oh, she can't really help yeah, herself anymore. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And even all of F society that look on her face like they thought they were being so clever but the FBI is so on to every single person is on that board but we'll talk about that more too finally we've got Tonight by Kenny Rogers which played during Elliot's mental end credits and the extra scene with Trenton Mobley alright on to fun facts I have a few diddles (laughs) so on our Twitter we have a video that I took of our TV when we were watching the Emmys. It's the first year we've watched the Emmys, by the way, in a long time. It's because TV's so amazing right now. Yeah. yeah, it's true. So Rami was being interviewed on the red carpet before the Emmys, and the interviewer called his character Elliot Anderson, and he was real quick to tell her, it's Alderson. Alderson. <laughs> uh, Matrix, anybody? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked about the Matrix last episode but um i know that it's not going to be a reveal just like the matrix but it's fun to think about and maybe there's going to be some, some similarities which For i really sure like sure he's yeah. pulling things in and i know we'll talk about the awards more on our bonus cast yes but how cute was rami oh my god i couldn't Great. take it His he stole speech. the show i think yes His speech was amazing yeah. yeah we all know he won uh the emmy for outstanding lead actor in a drama series and the first thing he says is, please tell me you're seeing this too. Yeah. Which is directly from Mr. Robot. Right. And everyone was like... I was so happy. That was so well-deserved. And I didn't think he was going to win it. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that it went the way it should have. I was blown away just in this episode from his acting. When he's talking to, to Robot in front of Tyrell and getting like shaking with anger... I thought it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Do you There's feel so like many he parts. gets better and better? Yeah. Not that he wasn't an incredible actor from season yeah, one, great. but I, I think I see even more growth yeah. as the episodes go by. Definitely. He's getting I more just, comfortable with the character. I just hate his voice. <laughs> his, <laughs> not in, not when he's playing Elliot, but RL his voice. real voice. Yeah. He's got this lisp thing going on. The, it's a shing. 
every time he talks, and it bother it annoys me. I kind of like it. Oh, <laughs> and he looks good in a tux too. <laughs> oh, uh, that was funny. I saw this picture um, in it on Reddit, and it was so Back to the Future time theory confirmed. Mm. And because Rami's wearing a white jacket tux, mm-hmm. that's the same thing that George McFly is wearing oh, in Back to the Future. Nice. And it's got the black bow tie also oh. to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. So nice. I thought that was I like really that. funny. So that's why his wardrobe choice. So smart. Yeah. Actually, I saw a video about him being interviewed before the Emmys, like a couple days before. And they asked him what he was wearing. And he looked at his, I think it's his publicist. He's like, am I allowed to say yet? <laughs> and he's like, we're, we're deciding which bow tie. So oh. that's probably uh, it. He yeah. should have worn the robot jacket. Oh. Mm-hmm. That would have been hot. That would have been cool. But thank God he won. I'm so proud of him. Uh, I just felt like such a nerd. I was like, yes. <laughs> he said, please tell me you're seeing this too. <laughs> and his speech was great. You know, it didn't, it didn't go on and on. So remember to come back for our bonus cast where we'll do a season two wrap up and content we haven't gone over yet. And one of the things will be to talk more about all the awards that Mr. Robot took home this year. This isn't Mr. Robot, but I have to put it in here for Chris. Guess who one of the main characters on the new Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is? Who? All right. Hint. Sexiest man alive to you? Kid Harrington. Yes. Jon Snow? Yeah. And he's got the beard and everything. Oh, my goodness. You got to see the video preview that they have. It's, it's him to the T. <laughs> I it's love you, cool. Rami, and I shouldn't be saying this on a Mr. Robot cast, but I am obsessed, along with a million other women in the world, with Kit Harrington. New listeners may not know, but we are legit, like, top geeks of Game of Thrones. And if you haven't heard our cast and you're watching Game of Thrones, go back and listen to those because uh, Christina just goes nuts on them. <laughs> Especially this past season. I think we improved with time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Conor McGregor is also on it. I don't know if you guys are UFC fans, listeners. I'm a huge UFC fan. He's one of the top UFC fighters, Conor McGregor. So it's cool. I'm, I'm interested to see him and to waste away playing video games. That should be fun. <laughs> Last one. On our Twitter, we have a tweet that we uh, put up. And it's of Sam Esmel talking about season two and the finale. In particular, I think it's a Hollywood reporter and the header reads Star Wars inspiration and a new Elliot in season three. I'm not going to read anything out loud. You definitely need to go to our Twitter and read it. It's, it's interesting to see what his thoughts on each particular pivotal part of season two is. And you kind of get an explanation of why he did some things. Mm-hmm. Just a little quote. I do love suspense, but I'm never about withholding things arbitrarily. Go ahead, check it out. We are at CKC Podcast. All right, and now we'll get into our synopsis. There was actually only 10 scenes, plus the extra scene at the end, if you can believe it, just jam-packed with info. We start out with Tyrell and Elliot outside. This was amazing because they're having the same conversation that Tyrell and Mr. Robot had in season one if you all remember that, where Elliot says he doesn't think there's anything they can agree on. Mm-hmm. Tyrell threatens to expose his dirty little secret, and Elliot comes back with, he will do nothing about it, <laughs> and that's that. But the really incredible part was that when we saw it this time, Elliot was responding in the same mannerisms, speech, everything else as Mr. Yeah, Robot, right. even though we're seeing Elliot on screen. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That was great. That's to show how amazing Elliot is, or Rami oh, is. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yep, Emmy winner. <laughs> because you could see it in there. Even the way he yeah, moved the and his cadence. I was like, Christian Slater right there, Yeah, man. you feel like you're watching <laughs> Christian Slater, exactly. There's a video. If you go to Reddit, uh, there's a link there, but also on, it links it to YouTube of them side by side. And you can, it's, he's mimicking Christian Slater Exactly, yeah. That's awesome. The timing does get off a little while, but like uh, when he's saying things, he's still doing the same exact movements. I wonder if Christian was watching and they're just laughing. Like, that's Mm -hmm. how I am, Mm -hmm. you know? So your take on this, was this actually Mr. Robot in this moment? And we're just seeing what everybody else in the world always sees, that it looks like Elliot? Mm -hmm. Or was this Elliot somewhat trying to integrate the Mr. Robot parts of himself? No, I think The way they've been trying to merge. You think it was all robot? Yeah, because that was a flashback. That was before he... Yeah, Yeah. I know. Oh, okay. But no, I think it was just pure robot. And we were getting getting to see what he really looked like. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we got a little bit of extra after they get out of the car. Sure. You can see how people would believe in Elliot watching him as Mr. Robot. Like, right. Dude, this guy knows his shit. He's right. confident. And then he's the inspiring, stuff, yeah. The stuff he actually accomplishes. Of course, you know, that too, that yeah. He, that he's brilliant in those things. So. There's a charisma to him, even when he's being intimidating. Mm-hmm. And this next interaction just blew me away. As soon as it was over, I actually said to Jason, how tragic that was one of the saddest things I've ever seen because this is the part where Tyrell starts saying he believes in fate and there's a reason him and Elliot met. Elliot tells him he's only seeing what's in front of him, not what's above him, which is a flashback to what Tyrell said to Joanna in mm-hmm. season one and we see how much that really st- stuck with him. Yeah. He internalized it and now he starts crying. Right. And he's begging Elliot to help him understand And this is where he says, so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. We finally got the poem. He tells us his father used to say that all the time as a child because it was the only English he knew, a silly poem that meant very much to him. And Tyrell uses it as a reminder, not just of him, but what he never wants to become. Like his father. I think this is the moment when Elliot lets Tyrell in because, you know, his issues with his father, they had this connection now. Certainly. That's why he lets him in. Not only that, but he's begging him, I want to be part of this bigger thing. I don't want to spend the rest of my life like my father, who was so content to repeat the only lines of English he ever learned Mm -hmm. and never look at anything other than what's right in front of him. I want to look above me. Help me to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the whole God thing started. Because people who listened to Elliot speak like that and operate as Mr. Robot saw him as a bit of a god. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's a scene, a uh, theme that really seemed to come out of this episode more. That with White Rose talking about belief and things like that. I mean, I know Mr. Robot has talked about Elliot being his god and he's just the prophet. But uh, it really brought it home today hearing Tyrell talking like this and and jamal's been saying it's about religion for a while now yeah. yes mm-hmm. um 
Thank you for acknowledging that I'm smarter than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christina just last yeah. episode did the the red wheelbarrow. Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, she's on top of it too. We're yeah. the idiots here. <laughs> no, we've we've been hearing them talk a lot about this religion and definitely seeing the figures that inspire that in other people, White Rose and Elliot, why people want to follow them. But at this point in the episode, I have to say, I was so high on what was going on. Right. I was thinking, this scene is phenomenal. If the right. rest of this finale is like this, I'm going to be so excited. They're hmm. tying everything together. They're answering questions. They're making sense. This was what I wanted more of. No, you can't maintain that throughout mm. the entire episode, but it was like the golden nugget was right, right. there in the first scene. Yeah. You know? Oh, definitely. That was great. I saw you smile. You were like, oh, man. Don't fall for it. You don't see what the evil woman is doing. She's setting us up just I to show up. <laughs> There's only one anything. thing she wanted. Did you but... hear that? Like, she had me going for a second, and then I heard it. She's set <laughs> setting us up for her disappointment, and we're falling right into it. No, there was other things that I did like. I mean, it was all downhill after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I loved at the end of this how... The music started playing, those video game sounds, the title comes up on the screen, and we mm. angled down on the skyscrapers. Yeah, that was a cool angle. angle. As Elliot and Tyrell enter the building, yeah. he's going to show him now what this mm -hmm. is all about. It's finally time. I do want to say, uh, Ryan was talking about this earlier, and I'll ask you to reiterate it uh, before we started recording. And we talk about it often, and it's worth talking about. The beauty of Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah. The shots. Oh, my God. He's able I to really... make like dark places or tar dark scenes still beautiful, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And you noticed this when you were watching a new show. Yeah, The Falling Water. Uh, going from Mr. Robot to Falling Water, I was excited to see what it was about. I was uh, very interested in the dream aspect of it because... That's just something that I'm interested in if there's interconnectivity oh, yeah, me too. In, the, in the dreams. But I was watching it and just thinking, this is not up to par. This <laughs> is the, the level has been set so high <laughs> with Mr. Robot that they can't just visually. I'm like, this just doesn't look as good when I'm watching it. And it really, really brought out how well the camera work and how good the shots are setting up the shots in Mr. Robot. That was my big fear, putting that up as one of our shows on our mm -hmm. Twitter poll for what we're going to review next, yeah. but I don't think it's going to wind up winning anyway. It's losing right now. Yeah, and yeah. kind of thank goodness, because I think you're right. It's never going to even come close to Mr. Robot, and it's bound to be a disappointment. And what was even worse about Falling Water mm -hmm. was the commercials for Ghost in the Shell that were doing it, because I didn't really know that there were four Ghosts in the Shell at first. I mean, the first camera break, you see the woman walking down the geisha woman but she's got like kind of a android type face or she's mm. got line breaks in it okay and i'm like what is this this looks visually stunning mm -hmm. and then it cuts to this other tv show and you think it's for this tv show because all you see in between is this triangle triangle or pyramid spinning around uh and then it, they sprinkle in these the commercials for uh ghost in the shell throughout the entire premiere for or the entire finale and it just looks visually stunning. Hmm. And, and then it's a movie, you, right? Uh, yeah, it's a movie that's coming out. Scarlett Johansson plays uh, Makoto. Yeah. This is bringing me back to 1995. I watched this when, when it came out, or the first when the first VHS came out. I was so excited, and it just blew you away. The uh, artwork was f 
phenomenal, yeah. way ahead of its time. Mm. And just dealing with these themes of AI and uh, a futuristic setting. The music was great. I, I love Ghost in the Shell, and I'm very excited about this. But it was even worse for Falling Water because just it didn't it didn't match up with the cinematography. I'm still going to watch it. I'm not going to give up on it. I'm hoping that it builds some momentum. But right. the reason why I bring this up is when you see it so often and you know that it's going to happen every week, mm-hmm. you could fall into taking it for granted. And I just want to remind people who are like, season two wasn't as good. Right. There's so many things that you're taking for granted that you're right. forgetting is not out there. Yeah. Just alone, the cinematography. No, I feel that way too when we watch Game of Thrones that you just know other TV is never going to compare. But whereas I come out of every Game of Thrones like blown away and so excited for next episode, I come out of Mr. Robot oftentimes feeling like I've been beat over the head. Yeah. And I'm drained and I'm overwhelmed by everything they just threw at me. And I've had a good time and I'm excited for the next episode, but it's just a mentally, emotionally different state. Yes, the way but I, I think that's shows? part of Sam is probably smiling, saying, "Yep, train sure. what I wanted to do." Of, <laughs> but sure. of preparing for this. No, because I did the same yeah. thing with Game of Thrones, though. Oh, with the preparing. But, but you but have it's different though, because you read all the books for Game of Thrones. You yes. know kind of what's going on. You're in this. It's all a mystery still. We yes. don't really know where it's going, so you kind of have to pay extra attention. You can well, kind of just write things off. You already mm. know what's there. The contents there. You're. You know the reasoning behind certain moves. Even if they haven't been explained in the actual show, you're going to still have some more background from reading all the books. That's definitely so. true. Well, well bre- I think this is, this is uh, Esmael's sermon. You know, you're going to church <laughs> on a Sunday and he's here preaching to you. You're getting not just a long episode. You're getting all of these types of philosophies. Yeah. And, and and ways of interpretation and different characters and duality of characters. And one thing that I've always respected about the show, this show has, this is not just a show about philosophies and religion, but it's also a character study. And that's how I've always looked at it, like with Angela and with the duality of White Rose and Elliot, or even who Tyrell is. And seeing this episode made me really know that, yo, this is a character study. You're seeing a lot of development, and you're seeing so many things being jam-packed that it's impossible for him to make an episode short. He has to fill it to a certain time because there's so much things that he's delivering to it and that's why i believe like you're right it could go interdimensional but yet it's here and it's just like religion you know a lot of people let's say if you're christian you believe in all of this stuff that is not in the reality that you can see Mm -hmm. in front of you every day so you have to look up you have Mm -hmm. to have faith that this reality exists that these things can really be possible that moses can split water but you don't see any of these miracles happening now in in such an epic way but you believe that they can happen and that maybe personally you might have experienced it or someone else might but you don't actually see it so you're living in this kind of dual world almost so i'm looking at this episode and i'm and 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 on the season up and i'm wondering is it really getting into this sci-fi world yeah but they're not giving me enough to they're nudging me to know i have to have faith but I can't necessarily get a sure, grounded answer. 
if we're going in there. I just have to have faith that they'll show me and it'll be revealed. Yeah, well, and to bring this back around to the scene and what we were talking about with the visual beauty, because there are so many layers to this. And sometimes I think one of the lowest on the totem pole for this show is visual beauty, because there's so many other things he's trying to accomplish with a shot that aren't beauty. Uh, But this shot, I felt like, was amazing in the fact that it managed to be beautiful when you walk inside the room and what you're seeing is a completely decrepit building on the inside. Right. Paint peeling off the walls, just really old, almost abandoned looking, but it was beautiful. Right. And expansive in the way that it went high up to the ceiling and a little frightening in the way that they went over to the service elevator that looked like might be a death trap. Right. And this is where I also started to wonder about the potential double meaning behind when the power flickers right. on and off. Mm-hmm. Because it seemed that we were getting the flickering during critical character moments. As Jamal's saying, it's a character study, and I believe that he might be using that. But I can't really tell how yet. So that's one of the things I would like to put to you guys and to our listeners as we go along with this review. I'm going to point out where some of them are mm-hmm. and maybe just think about what that might mean. It's probably Morse code some kind of deeper meaning a little rabbit hole thing. well that would be cool <laughs> but also hole. they they seem Robot to hole. close in on a major character this episode when it happened so you're looking at elliot while the power is flicker well flickering. they really did it in the last episode with angela and you yes. guys didn't bring up that scene the power flickering and one of the events that took oh, place during we did. well you did but uh and i showed this to jason before we started and uh when Angela goes to see the lawyer, mm-hmm. it the you see the news is on. You hear the news, mm-hmm. and he he's talking, and then you can hear him. You hear him say, "Make I forget what the line is now, but every time I know what it is when it comes up." Yeah. Once the power flickers, when Angela's talking here, it goes back. It goes back to an earlier point in the newscast when it comes back on. So it repeats. It like goes back in time, like so. a loop. Not like uh, an Ouroboros. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a loop, but it goes back into the middle of what he was saying, right. not into the very beginning. That's but cool. and it even does, the lawyer. it definitely goes back. And the lawyer, like, looks behind her once the power uh, goes off, and then she gives, like, a weird face. Like, she thinks something's like that it's weird that it repeated almost. Maybe I'm putting that on her, or she's just looking at the power going out. Well, I don't know. Would that support my theory about this being some type of virtual reality? Oh, I don't or know. something I about mean, time, be, or the something time thing time. is involved. Or the, like we yeah. said before, like the parallel universes and right. slight changes from one to the next. I feel like there was a lot of hints about that. So this was our first power flicker, and this tech who's in some sort of maybe hazmat suit leads them into the elevator. By the way, he's eating a sandwich from the Red Wheelbarrow Barbecue. Nice right. that we saw, which is in North Carolina. So they're probably using some kind of portal to. Travel down there. And get <laughs> lunch. It's that good. <laughs> but before you go on, so we saw that he made a point visually to like adjust his glasses with the bag. Yep. Yeah. Red wheelbarrow. And right. this is why I think one of the reasons why you smiled when the beginning of this episode, they bring out the red wheelbarrow. They mm-hmm. talk about the poem because we've been seeing this time and time again. LH Journal. Yeah. Right. Red wheelbarrow. The red wheelbarrow that. The uh, lady or man. Hot Carla. Is that what the name is? 
is yeah. burning things in the jail and a plethora of other red mm-hmm. wheelbarrows. So, well, and it finally led to the cipher that Mr. Robot was looking at the red wheelbarrow menu right. to decode yes. the message last episode. Did you talk about the meaning of the poem last time? I can't remember. I tried to find it afterwards and... Like, last episode was a two and a half hours, so I just I couldn't figure out where it was. We did talk a little bit about a, an article that did a review of the simplistic poem, and essentially that through the stanzas and the way it's read, mm-hmm. it's meant to capture a moment in time very right. effectively. Yeah, and how the simple things uh, can mean everything in yeah. life. And it's trying to also capture beauty in right. simplicity. So... Tyrell is sort of missing the whole point of maybe what was kind of a complex thing to his father, and he's seeing it as a simple tragedy, which I thought was pretty cool. And back in this scene, when they're getting on the elevator, Elliot is wondering how the Dark Army is behind whatever this is. So, yeah, so I'm wondering if all this red red wheelbarrow stuff is... (laughs) If it's saying something about the storyline the whole time hinting something is very simple mm-hmm. that we're not seeing you know they're they're trying to give us that uh, oh. it's the simple things that make sense and we were maybe that we're delving too deep into things mm. and that might, might be what it's talking about maybe it's it is all you're missing it. well i yeah. think it's going to be yeah, simple it's right, missing it's right there. but yeah. profound at the right. same time and i think that's what white rose is about and yeah. that's what sets her apart from the rest of the characters on this show but I mean the time travel thing, which I love. I love the, these theories. Um, but uh, maybe it, it's not something that's going to come into fruition because it, he's saying that it is something simpler. It could be. It you could know. be. But I, I don't think simple excludes some of the things we've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. Of course. Depending on how they get there and the way they present it. Maybe it's not in front of you. Maybe it's above you. That's true. Look up. It's one thing to question your mind. It's another to question your eyes and ears. But then again, isn't it all the same? Our senses just mediocre inputs for our brain? Come on. Sure, we rely on them. Trust they accurately portray the real world around us. But what if the haunting truth is they can't? That what we perceive isn't the real world at all, but just our mind's best guess. That all we really have is a garbled reality, a fuzzy picture we will never truly make out. So this is the point where they're getting on the elevator and Elliot is wondering how the Dark Army is behind whatever this is. And our next scene takes us continuing along with Elliot's journey as they go upstairs. And he's questioning reality and if he can even trust his senses at this point, which is a pretty scary moment for the viewer. He says, isn't it all the same? Our senses, just mediocre inputs for our brain. We rely that they accurately portray the world around us. But what if what we perceive isn't the real world at all? But the mind's best guess, a fuzzy picture we will never truly make out. So again, we're calling into question the reality of everything we see. White Rose told us to do that last episode. Elliot's wondering about that this episode. Maybe I can't even 
trust, forget about me, the unreliable narrator, but anything that I'm seeing, smelling, right. hearing, what the hell do we as viewers have to hold on to if we're flat out being told we can't trust anything anymore? And I don't know if I like that. You know, that brings me to another level of confusion. Insecurity. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, Elliot's already experienced uh, a, a time when he couldn't trust what he saw. Like, Mr. Robot put him down this path where he was abducted. They shoved, you know, cement down his throat. Certainly. You know, so we don't know. So he's right to have all these questions about yeah. his reality. And then I kind of feel like later on it becomes a boy who cried wolf situation too mm -hmm. many times mm. where he just, where all these things kept yeah. coming and coming and coming. I guess we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But uh, it, it influenced Elliot's decision making. I thought it was when foreshadowing when he was, as soon as he walks into that room, he starts talking about that. It's foreshadowing for what we're going to see right. happen in that, that, that room. That room yeah. is not to be trusted. And that's the way I've anchored myself in this show the whole time, that if we are in Elliot's point of view, we mm -hmm. can't really trust what's going on. And in fact, we can probably trust the fact that it's not reality yeah. and to look for the metaphorical meaning behind it. But if we're in another character's point of view, it's pretty safe bet Hopefully that it's that real. True. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. I think you're you're right to be paranoid because not only can Elliot not trust us in the show, thought I didn't know we were in jail for right. a very long time, and I didn't know that the warden what didn't have a dog, and we weren't at the park and everything like that. So we really can't trust anything we see, even as viewers looking at the show. Right. right. Yeah. So right to feel that type of paranoia. And be worried when he says that and, and worried that this is all not going to be real and we're going to get upset and, you know, even monitor time. Because when he said that, just like you, I was like, oh, God, this show's not running that long. You better not not be real <laughs> where I'm going into because now I feel like White Rose. I'm watching the clock and this thing better wrap up and tell me what I need oh, to know. Yeah, 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 and the problem is that it spiraled even farther out that White Rose tells us to question and tells Angie to question. And the whole scene last episode with Angie in the room was that reality. So mm -hmm. now it's getting even bigger than Elliot. And that's, I think, what frightens me a little bit. Talk about not being able to trust what you're seeing. This doorman. I guess, what, is he our doorman? I thought we were going to yeah, walk into a meth gonna, lab. Yeah. yeah, he looks like some kind of tech in a hazmat suit almost. Yeah, I was like, like okay, so they're obviously. making meth or something. And like, is he the doorman? What is he doing there? Well, they're talking, about, lunch. <laughs> they're, they're talking about eventually blowing up the battery room oh, right. in the other building and how they're going to use the hydrogen that comes off it. I didn't really get the whole mm -hmm. technical aspects of it, but maybe he's been doing work with that mm -hmm. and has to protect himself from... Do you want me to get into that now, the technical? No. We'll do that later? We'll okay. get to that when we get to that scene. Coming back here first, Tyrell explains to Elliot that, of course, the Dark Army is behind all of this. They are their partners, and they set all of this up for them because they needed a discreet place. And he questions Elliot, you really don't remember this? At which point, Elliot thinks to himself that it must have been Robot who set it all up. And Tyrell wonders if Elliot can even handle it. His mm -hmm. disposition concerns him, quote unquote. What and did he say his affliction or something like that? Or, his oh, disposition. His disposition. Yeah. Okay. He wasn't wearing affliction shirt. Oh, or no. no. <laughs> and this is when the lights flicker again. And Tyrell writes it off by saying, ah, oh, yeah, they've been giving us UPSs. Mm hmm for mm -hmm. the power surges mm -hmm. that are happening here? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed <laughs> that they 
kind of explain to the viewer what a UPS was uh, this way so that they can they don't have to explain it later, later when they're talking when about the what plan. they're using it for. The plan. But Universal it's also parcel like, service, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's almost like they're trying to explain it away so you don't think about it too much. Oh, mm -hmm. don't worry about these flickering power surges that you see going on. No bigger meaning there. I think that's what some people had trouble with because we, we were concentrating on what stage two is and Sam's saying, all right, this is what it is, but we're not going to deal with that right now. Right. So here's what it is real quick. But we got other shit yeah, to deal divert, with. Yeah, divert, divert. And the, it drives me crazy sometimes. I'm like, answer a fucking question. Mm -hmm. What is this? What's kind of answer? Why are the lights flickering? Just tell me. <laughs> I don't care about the intrigue anymore. Well, I, just always, I always assumed the lights flickering, I mean, was just that society, the structure of, you know, people working, the power grid, it was all deteriorating because of the hack. But... It seemed like life was getting moving Weren't on. Weren't the electricians on strike or something like that? Is I that true? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I don't remember. Yeah, that. they were. That's right. That's why it was flickering because they weren't getting paid. So oh, they weren't going to work. They said yeah. that in the. They said I don't that? Like two episodes ago. Okay. I something like were, that. They were right. talking um, with Mr. Price about how they're having one of the biggest energy crises that they've seen across the eastern seaboard. Um. I really keep thinking this is going to go back to something that's going on at the plant right. mm. and whatever is being utilized there. Yeah. But I originally thought the plant was just a nuclear power plant and China was trying to take over power, you know? Yeah. Oh, was, right. And that's why it's flickering. Do you want me to tell you what UPS really is? Want me to explain to you? Well, sure. Okay. I mean, I know it's so, not what you said. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> parcel service. Yeah. Um, Okay, so even Tyrell said, thank God we have these UPSs. Right. So basically, uh, it's a device uh, or a backup power supply that sits between you and the wall outlet. Mm -hmm. So it's a middleman, making sure your computer doesn't crash when the power cuts out, so it doesn't turn off. It's like a power surge, surge no, protector. No, it, no. Gives you, it gives you a certain amount of power. Even like when it's there's no oh, power. Yes. Like the power goes out. Like it, emergency lights in a right. hallway. Yeah. Basically. Except it's not it's not that long. No, no. Um, and essentially, it gives you enough time for the backup gener generators to kick on. Right. Yeah, so or for you to got, save and close out, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. So uh, almost all consumer devices use lithium-ion batter ion batteries, mm -hmm. like your phone and all that stuff, uh, for power density reasons. But they're fragile and age poorly. Like If you don't use your computer for six months, the, the right. battery's dead. Right. Uh, as a result, UPSs tend to opt for the older lead-acid battery, most often used in non-Tesla cars. Okay. So um, it's a lot heavier than a lithium-ion battery, but it can sit dormant almost indefinitely without breaking down. The only downside is that the batteries tend to leak hydrogen gas, particularly when they're charged beyond recommended limits. Right. Um, and as you remember from the Heidenberg, that big balloon, the first... Hindenburg. Hindenburg. Hindenburg, sorry. Yeah. Uh, hydrogen gas has a tendency to explode. Mm -hmm. So if you pump power into the device and shut down the fans, then overcharge the circuits until they start to throw off sparks, you're going to have quite an explosion. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's their plan for later. Now, can I play annoying Go for person it. again? Do it. Okay. You have this huge facility mm -hmm. and also this huge corporation mm -hmm. they're trying to get all of the paper docs right yes 
to this facility. That's what we're going to find out later. They want to bring them all together so they can reestablish the files. So and we can enter them into their databases right. again. Now, if you have gone through everything that you've gone through, say your E-Corp, and you right. have this much control over everything, you've lost all of that. Now you have the very last vestiges of these paper docs that could save everything. Do you bring every single last fucking piece of paper to the same goddamn building in one place? No. That's I, I, I didn't understand yeah, why. Wouldn't they would do you that. spread them out over the separate locations? Yeah. And then all the more, would you put all your fucking batteries into one goddamn room knowing this? Like Well, they gotta be all over the building also. You know, but he showed yeah. battery room. Right. Yeah. Like on, on the plan. I think. <laughs> with that many ba- but like j- just tell me this is really how it works in reality I think that they're cocky E-Corp I, I don't well, even I'm, think they, that I mean this is, this, a, this, point, is this is pure if you in E-Corp right I think there is no right answer right because who alright let's say you're going to spread it around right and you're going to spread it to different places mm-hmm. that's more chances and more places for terrorists to attack right so you have the dark army who's a terrorist you have you have um, F society but more importantly one of your highest executives is the one who you believe caused all of these things to happen the place that was guarding all of your secrets all safe was the one who hacked you so there really is no more safe thing to do in a sense to me because how did Tyrell lead the biggest internal blowout? I can't trust my Chinese business partner. All state is all safe. been hacked. All, all safe, not all state. All safe, sorry, all state. <laughs> you're in good you're in good hands or whatever. <laughs> all, all safe is um been hacked and they've compromised me. So at this point, I don't know if there really is. No, I completely. Getting all your documents in one place is easier to guard than to have them spread out. Maybe they wanted to do closed circuit. No, no, no. At first. I completely agree with you that there is no safe thing, but nobody in the world thinks putting all your eggs into one basket is a good idea. If you have hundred million dollars worth of money. You don't store it all under one mattress because mm-hmm. tomorrow there could be a mm-hmm. fire and now it's all gone. Well, or no like you said, somebody that's looking for your shit could find your shit and now it's all gone. Anybody knows that the smarter way is to spread it around. That way at least some of it could survive. They won't find some of it. It's not, Maybe it, the they made is, photocopies it, it, on all the of it, all, it doesn't matter if, let's say you have 12 buildings. If you have a good portion of it gone, there's almost no trust in the other half of it. So it's almost like Fort Knox. Fort Knox is just Fort Knox. We don't need to spread it. We need to guard that one place as though our life depended on it, right? If a terrorist was to come and just bomb Washington, D.C., that's it. It's all there. So what we need to do is just protect the whole thing. I think Keith Sutherland is in one is in a, is a new series out. about that. But if you really think about it, right, right now, as we speak, we have the United Nations having their General Assembly, whereas one spot in Manhattan where 200 of the world's most powerful leaders are, right? If you take that one room over while they're all there, you essentially have the entire world. So what we have to do is contain and guard it 
from the outside. So, so you're saying that's this is was the right thing to do. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I just don't know if there's a right another thing way to do. to do. When you spread when you spread yourself too thin, like let's mm-hmm. say you have it all over the place, you Which might they not did be able before. To, they had it in different zones. They had it in different places, right? Yeah. But you might not be able to have a centralized garden of everything. Like things are split apart. You are more vulnerable because you have more people in charge, mm-hmm. more people who can be compromised, right? So if you have twelve, if I could take out one. Just one, I'm yeah. already going to be taking out one of your legs. And, you know, so I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just that you got to make a play here. And we don't know if we need to have all of our records spread out. Right. Because if, like I said, it's not something where, if these were backups, let's say that these were all copies, right? And they had 12 copies, then you spread them out. Well, but why don't they have 12 copies? They have one copy of the yeah. most important documents ever. In one, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I don't think we should go too long on this because yes, right. we got a lot of scenes to review. But I just think it's it's much easier to take down one than it is to take down, say, 20. And mm-hmm. I just don't see how you only have one backup and then you only put it in one place. To what me, that, that feels like a little bit of a plot hole. What if it's a trap? It could be. Right. What if well, the I mean, FBI Tyrell is working with them? Tyrell and this was is a surprised trap. that they're putting it in one place, and right. he pointed that out, right? And yeah. it didn't look like no Fort Knox. I got to tell you. So, right. I mean, you could be right if they're that far on to because we didn't know until this episode how far the FBI actually was along with catching them. Right. So, if they've gotten that far and they know that Tyrell is the main guy, perhaps, yeah. perhaps they've gotten to a point where they they're going to bait him. They need she to, said we're going to lie and wait, right? Right. Here we go. This is how you fix it. You carve all the records in stone. Right. Oh, perfect. Fixed it. Yeah. You know how they're getting all these papers to uh, that one location in Manhattan? Trucks. Yeah. UPS. Nice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Let's move on. So this scene ends with Tyrell saying, ready to look at what we accomplished. We'll get into that more. For now, we go over to Darlene and Dom in the FBI interrogation room. We were wondering last episode what she meant by who she would be interviewing. We questioned the wording because we thought it would be questioning the suspect. But I thought it might be Darlene because of the personal investment Dom seemed to have in it. And here we do see that Darlene is being interviewed by Santiago and Dom. She has blood on her jacket. She keeps saying over and over again that she's evoking her Fifth Amendment and Mm -hmm. she's not going to speak. Dom's trying to win her over using a variety of tactics. First, she says she's sorry for the loss of Cisco. Santiago tries to come in with the hard line and tells her it's not a TV show. They can mm-hmm. use the Patriot Act. That was really key. There were a lot of USA like mm-hmm. digs there. And uh, I think Sam talked about it in one of the articles. Characters right. like you are not welcome here. Right. Yeah. Their tag is what? Characters welcome, right? <laughs> I invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. Yeah, you keep trying to invoke the Fifth Amendment, but there's this thing called the Patriot Act that a bunch of people signed into law. Do you know what that means? It means that you are not on some TV show. This isn't burn notice. There are no blue skies for you out there. Characters like you are not welcome here. As far as anyone's concerned right now, you're an enemy combatant. 
when I watched that, I paused it right away. I was like, Chris, did you just cast that? And I looked it up. So characters welcome. That was always USA's thing. Mm -hmm. It is used to indicate the network's love for interesting and offbeat characters at the lead of their television shows. The slogan was adopted in 2005 and has been used since. USA at the time was best known for its original program, Monk, which was about an obsessive compulsive detective played by Tony Shalabalabalab. <laughs> so essentially, I thought I felt like it was a, cl a clever wink. And they also talked about burn notice. And blue skies. And blue skies. Yeah, uh, blue skies is just the type of shows that they had on there. They're very kind of happy, go lucky, very blue skies. Yeah. Know, everything's going to work out. You know, they're, you know, wink, wink, you know, no big dark drama. So I thought, I, I just thought I was like, oh, clever, little wink, another wink, but this time to USA, which right. was awesome. Yeah, no blue skies for Darlene, because as far as anyone's concerned, she is an enemy combatant with no rights. Mm -hmm. Dom tries to convince her that she wants to talk to her. This is really her best bet. And they're not so different. They're both Jersey girls. Such a transparent effort. Right. Which we will see Darlene on to later. But here, we cut over to a scene with Joanna showing up on the doorstep mm -hmm. with the sonogram picture saying, of all the gifts you've been sending me, this got me the wettest. <laughs> that was awesome. And it's Scott Knowles. This was a popular theory that it would be. I think you brought it up too. Yes. That it might be. I, I definitely thought that he could be behind this. He was looking for revenge. Mm -hmm. We see what's going on here. Scott Knowles is a mess. He's drunk. He's slurring his speech. By the way, when they showed Joanna, there was a painting behind her on the mm -hmm. wall that was stairs leading down to water with a yellow rowboat in it. Yellow rowboat was definitely the focal point. I don't know the significance, but they highlighted that. Red real barrel, yellow rowboat. Right. Yellow robot, yellow robot. Red real barrel, yellow rowboat. Yellow king. Tan yellow notebook. King. Tan notebook. <laughs> <laughs> so Joanna wants to understand why. She's asking him if he thinks he's such a powerful man. Why risk everything to just drive her crazy? And here we get the ultimate Scott Knowles speech, his reveal. He talks about the night he got CTO, that he couldn't have been happier. Sharon, his wife, came home, said she wanted him to go with her to the doctor, and that she found out a month ago she was pregnant. Neither of them knew how they felt about it at the time, but when they saw the sonogram, they lit up. It was the best day of his life. And after the funeral, he couldn't understand how he could gain and lose everything in one fell swoop. Basically, he wanted her to feel the same way, to give her hope and then step on it. There's a silence, and then Joanna starts in on her harangue. Right. What a harangue it was, she says. You pussy. You piece of shit. I hope you rot in hell like your wife. You're warning a woman who, after she found out she was pregnant, was going to f*** my husband's brains out. I'm glad she's dead. Or in a fetus corpse. What if your wife was gonna cheat on you? You're weak and pathetic. That child's lucky to be dead. Go! 
Pussy piece of shit, I hope you rot in hell. And your horny woman, after she found out she was pregnant, wanted to fuck my husband's brains out. I'm glad she's dead. Fuck her and her fetus corpse. <laughs> oh my god. And I love the soundtrack behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joanna's freak flag is officially flying. Yeah. She has let oh. loose. She was already out there. We knew she was the, crazy, yeah. but I think this is the first time she opened up and really just let yeah, us see it. it. But it was for a purpose. Definitely. Yeah, but clearly. Why do they blame why do they beep out fuck shit all that stuff? But she can say suck a dick. She can say cunt. pussy cunt. You can say all that, but not like Fuck or shit. Well, sh- yeah. did they did they bleep out all the fucks here? Yeah, they bleeped out the fucks. Okay. Well, not. It's hard to tell. There nothing was, so was much. bleeped on her. I don't think. But I think everyone, there's, there's everyone, also everyone, an uh, uh, intent of the word, like how you're using it, determines okay. how it has to be. Yeah, but the bleeped. intent of all these words and were the worst. Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> fetus no, corpse. Fetus corpse is okay because there's no like, swears. Specific to certain words. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yes. Like, all right, but whatever. So. The intention was to get him to attack her. Right. Yes. So that she could have the proof. No. The way she did last time. The way she was trying oh, to yes. set him up mm-hmm. to, to make it look like it was all his fault mm-hmm. because of the story that she feared. But what if he actually killed her? Because, she I mean, she had he been training, did. taking hits the whole time, being strangled and yeah. taking hits, toughening herself. Now up. we know what those sex scenes were about. Yeah, but he really laid into her to the point that I thought she was done at. at one moment. I, I was, was wondering where Sutherland was. He Ether? No, uh, that's the the guy, right? The Mr. Sutherland. Yeah, the, it didn't yeah, look yeah. like she brought him. Yeah. No, she there. didn't. She she came alone. So you think she would have UFC on style punches? I I had to listen to it again with these uh, headphones, podcast headphones, and it was like <laughs> those punches seemed yeah. brutal, and I, I just thought after the shock of what was going on. Just the fact that it all, we kept saying, I don't understand what Joanna's doing with this man. And what with these sex things that throw, choking. Yeah, that made a lot more sense. We kind of thought that she was setting him up. And we also thought that she was bringing in Derek as a fall guy. But it turns out she just wanted Derek as the snitch. So it makes a little more sense now. I just don't know if this is the, this wasn't the original plan. In any in any way, uh, the uh, the original plan for Tyrell was to fuck Sharon, and then right. to get pictures, and then to use them as blackmail. Yep. Uh, so I don't know why Joanna kind of started talking to Derek in the first place. Mm-hmm. Then, if the this it had nothing to do with the original plan, or maybe she just went for a drink and then he started hitting on her, and they kind of hit it off a little bit. But uh, and then she decided to hit him up after Tyrell left. It could be. I think she's got mixed motives at times. Right. But then also, this isn't the plan because this is the greatest gift. It, this is an excuse to go call him out and to make him angry. Yeah, I don't know where... the greatest gift ever. I don't know where the... How she was going to do this otherwise. What other motive she was going to use to make him attack her or to make... To change Derek's mind to incriminate him or to find this angle. Yeah, I kind of thought she was just going to have Derek go too rough so that she could go in with Marks and right. lay that on Scott, right. you know, instead of actually having Scott do it. But I guess this makes a little more sense. And 
I was just thinking that if he hadn't had an attack of conscience during right. the middle of this attack, it was really risky. She right. could have wound up on the wrong side of it. At one point, it looks like she's going to pass out. He's horrified at what he's done. She's laying there choking and bleeding, wearing her diamond earrings, mm -hmm. by the way. And then you hear the 911 call playing in the background as the scene closes. Just before this, though, I felt horrible for Scott. I mean, what he's done now is, you know, egregious. Uh, but you could see, you know, him getting riled up to that point in this state of emotion. Plus, he's really, really drunk. But he's been put through the ringer. I mean, just to listening to his story going from maybe the best day ever to it all just falling apart in that one he lost everything swoop yeah mm. i everything. mean he's still the cto but of what he, of, <laughs> i mean right. yeah of the company that's fine but he's still the most powerful like one of the largest conglomerates or whatever but um that's more a turn of phrase now just, though you can tell he doesn't believe he's the most powerful man anymore it was all about his image and he's lost that right so she knows exactly how to get under his skin, and yeah. it works. Here we go back over to Darlene and Dom in the interrogation room again, and Dom's telling her that Vincent will recover, so he's going to be okay, but he will serve a lot of time for that DC stunt because it was domestic terrorism in the eyes of the law. And her associates, the ones they arrested, identified Darlene as the ringleader. Darlene says she's no leader. She can barely keep a guy. Dom's now trying to use this tactic. You know, I don't really care about the DC stun. I thought it was kind of funny. The big mm -hmm. deal are these holes in your story. This is what I need to get at. And Darlene's not budging. She says she knows she's being worked over. Dom is trying to get close to her and take advantage. It's a sick and twisted act. So she should go back and read her manual and come up with a new approach for cunts who don't care. So there's cunt again. <laughs> and then she says, if you want any other details, my answer is to suck a dick. <laughs> They're kind of okay. laying it on heavy with the uh, profanity in this episode. Not that I minded. Hey, you were right, Chris, when you said, um, I think it was last episode, that you think Darlene's alive, but Cisco is dead. Yeah. So we were right on that. Ding! <laughs> there were some spoilers out there. There was uh, an episode uh, review or recap, or I think it was an IMDb thing that said that Darlene, like, mentioned Darlene in it for the finale. Uh, so that like I knew I had read that so I knew that she was still alive but mm -hmm. just when you saw the close up of them on Reddit they had this a lot. Well, and the Mark our clatcher Mark saw this coming. Okay. Because in response to one of our comments on the last episode where one of us said that they could pin it all on Cisco, actually I think another listener had said that and that Darlene might get off on this. He said, remember, we clearly see the FBI raid the apartment. They mm -hmm. get all the recording equipment, the tapes that they use to make the video, including the video of Darlene removing the mask, identifying her, and that he believes Darlene's days are numbered. And don't forget about the bullet casing, which we do eventually come back to in this episode where Dom leaves and comes back. She has the F Society mask and everything else that they found in Cisco's place the camera everything but the tapes 
So I think she might be fishing here because she's saying, what if we find the DNA on that stuff? She's still trying to play all these different lines. Mm-hmm. Darlene keeps retorting. You know, the guy responsible is dead. We were just filming kinky shit. And that's when she pulls out the bullet casing and says, you were the one that stole the gun. And she can't prove it because there's no fingerprints. She can right. only link it back to the Fun, Fun Society Sorry. arcade. This kind of brings us to another question that we got from a listener about who actually fired that gun. Yeah. David wrote, maybe I'm missing something. Since Tyrell is alive and we assume Elliot never attempted to shoot him, then who fired off the weapon Darlene took and stuffed it in the popcorn at Fun Society? Dom dropped the brass from the fired round in front of Darlene in the interrogation room. I'm confused on this. I'm confused. I read that so bad. (laughs) But, uh, so I was thinking this, maybe he fired the gun to, uh, Tyrell is going into this whole God thing with Elliot in in that scene from the little bit that we've seen Mm -hmm. during that scene. So maybe to stop him from ranting, he got his attention or robot got his attention by just firing the gun off. But then there would be a bullet somewhere in there. Now, I don't remember what the ceilings look like or anything, but uh, could be lodged. In yeah, something. it could be it could be lodged in something or somewhere. But you'd think that they would have covered that entire place to see if there were any bullets around there, and they only found the casing. I think it's really making us question people getting shot because we've also seen scenes where Mr. Robot shoots Elliot. Mm-hmm even though a shot's not really happening. And now there's this gun that we don't really know who gets shot. Do we have to wonder what's happening at the end of the episode? So Look, don't (laughs) tell me that Elliot's been shot since he did the hack, and this is all a dream, okay? Oh, I wasn't going to go there. (laughs) I wasn't going to go there, and I don't want to think about it. But yeah, we'll talk about that. Please, don't. (laughs) (laughs) No more. I I can't take it. (laughs) Yeah, and speaking of these two, we go back to Tyrell and Elliot in the building where Elliot is staring at the screen as Tyrell pulls up the floor plans for the E-Corp facility. Ground floor, level one, it's the central floor plan. They zoom in on the battery room. Elliot's thinking to himself that they all think he's the ringleader, but he has no idea what the plan is. He knows it's the blueprints and disassembled firmware for an uninterruptible power supply, but not much more. He thinks I could ask him, Tyrell, but who am I really asking? Yeah, who am I really asking? What in the hell does that mean? Am I asking myself? He doesn't know if it's, if Tyrell exists. He's questioning at this point. He's still questioning it. He doesn't know if it's Mr. Robot as Tyrell. He didn't know, he doesn't know if, well, I don't think he ever thought that Tyrell was another manifestation of himself. I think he just thought that this is a trick by Mr. Robot. But right. that would make him part of himself. Yeah. I guess, but not as much. What you saying? Well, not as much as a major player. He's <laughs> not going to, Tyrell wouldn't be taking over at times. This, he, I think he thinks that Robot is manipulating this whole thing still and making him see Tyrell in this scene. Not yeah, that Tyrell is... But the only way to do that is if he had become one of them, which I think he does wonder a lot throughout right. this episode if that has in fact happened and makes us question it too. And 
here Tyrell tells him about the plans, the docks that are coming in from all over. He shows him the offline version of the building next door and that within the next month, all the records will be there. And Elliot realizes they're trying to rebuild all the titles, the deeds, the bloodline of the country. He goes over the plan in detail. We talked about this, blowing up the battery room and leveling the building. Tyrell says he hacked Evil Corp and made it possible for them to attack them. So Elliot did all of this. And the conference call leak was a good distraction, but this is for us. And that's when Robot walks up and says, all of us. Again, Mm. bringing in that feeling, the three of us who are one. They're really, at this point, I felt like it was a little bit in your face and on the nose with that. But they cut away quick, so it was okay. I don't know. Because Tyrell isn't a manifestation of Elliot, so it wasn't in your face. No, but we didn't know that at that point. Right. I, I mean, see. at this point in the episode, they okay. were like, if you didn't get it, you're supposed to be wondering if Tyrell is part of him. Right. But I mean, that, that Elliot's confused, so us as watching him, we should all be confused by it also. Yeah, well, I think we've been confused, yes. though, right? We, we, we've been confused for a while about Tyrell. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, Sam did say in that article that his... Elliot is the main character. Mm-hmm. It's based mm-hmm. on him. And he wants us to go for the same ride that Elliot's going for. So right. the confusion is not to mess with us. It's to put us in the same state of mind. And I think that's why I said, Elliot, uh, Sam is probably smiling when you said, after every episode, I'm exhausted. I feel like I've been put well, to the ringer. Well, that's fine. Right. It's the beating you over the head with something that starts to get a little bit old. It's like, we've all been thinking this about Tyrell. But like I say, they they cut away from it quick, so it was okay. They go back over to Joanna and Derek, and Derek is freaking out now. He's found out that Scott hurt Joanna. He wants to punish him. He punched Tom Cruise in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was so uncalled for. Like, he ripped Tom Cruise's face, man. Shit. (laughs) And this is where we find out about the night they met. We talked about the E-Corp party. He was bartending, so Jason, I think... You were saying he could have been like the DJ or something else there. Right. So he was, and they met up. And this is where she says, you know, remember you saw Scott returning from the roof? Remember that? He was disheveled and remember? sweaty, right? And he's like, no, I don't. She's like, yeah, you do. You remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, he's saying, you know, they asked us questions that night. Why, why would I confess now? This doesn't make any sense. And she says, this is the story. You were scared. Scott intimidated you, and that's why. But you need to tell them this now. This is how we win. And she gets him to agree. So this was her plan all along? Yeah, it seems that way. Um, Or some version of this. This was a a card she was going to pull out. But it just seemed like if it was you or me and this girl that was saying this to us, it would be like... I got to get the fuck out of this. She wants me to yeah. lie and incriminate someone for murder. I think but I might have been now. saying I got to get the fuck out of <laughs> yeah, this a while true. ago if I was Yeah, Derek. she's been manipulating him he's for in a while it. now. Man, he's in it. Uh, we get a brief commercial break now with the robot quote. I was surprised they used the same one again. Instead like of giving us though. a new one, the most certain way to succeed is always to just try one more time. Mm. Yeah. And then we come back to Darlene and Dom going to the Situation Room. 
situation. I wonder if that uh, try one more time. They talk about this contest thing that they have. There's a whole other subreddit. Yeah. Uh, about the alternate reality game yeah. for Mr. Robot. And I wonder if that's a dig for them to I, just keep doing something to just, oh, you should just try it again. I think <laughs> you're it'll right. it'll work this time. Just keep trying. I think you're right about that. Well, first in this scene, we see Dom telling Santiago that it's worth the risk. They need to show Darlene that they're smarter than her because basically they're, they're stuck. All their leads were killed or they're disappearing. The DA is cleaning house. Something's about to go down and their window's closing. So they have to flip her. And Dom is very confident that she can do it. She says, I know her. I am her. This is when she goes back in and starts telling Darlene ostensibly the true story, that they have over 6,000 agents working on this case alone. And the only reason she's gotten this far is because she pretty much has no life. This is all she's been doing. And the two of them have both been part of one of the biggest events in world history. Darlene's not buying that. She says, believe what you want, but neither you nor I are special. I've already learned that lesson. And uh, Dom is kind of like, okay, you don't think you're special? Let me show you how special you are. Just come take a look. Yeah. So this starts by them walking down the hallway and through the room, and everybody's staring at her. Mm -hmm. She's getting that feeling. By the way, power flickers again as we're zoomed in on Darlene. And then you see everyone in the background looking around at the power flickering. Like, I don't know. It it almost seems like they're surprised at this still, that this is going on. Yeah. But it's been happening all the time from our point of view. Maybe not in that building? I don't know. Well, now we've gotten it with Elliot and Darlene, just to keep track. In this episode. In this episode. We had it with Angie last time. Mm. And the moth in the flame starts playing. Perfect. (laughs) And she takes Darlene to the situation room. And she begins explaining the strategy that we talked about before. The python one lying in wait for the right moment to strike so that she could get the man in the middle. She also says Romero's death is what made Darlene want to scurry. And they thought the DA Everyone. was involved, but it was really just a stray bullet from a next door neighbor freak accident that killed Romero. I don't believe that. I don't know. That's fishy. I don't believe that it was a freak accident. Maybe it wasn't the dark army, but I don't know. That's weird, right? Yeah. That's another question that supposedly they answered, but I right. don't feel like we got a real answer on. Well, in season one, Romero did talk about his neighbors and how he's in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, yeah he did. So, but you don't think that's fishy, the timing of it, and he goes first, and then we start getting other people taken out? Who else was taken out? Cisco, that's it. Yeah, they were after. What about what's Trent his name? Mobley, we the thought. Head of all, the head of Allsafe. Why was he taken out? Allsafe again. Oh, uh, Allstate, I mean. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gideon, which was supposedly a freak. Random maniac. Random maniac. There was just a lot of, like, that's all coincidence? I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I mean, certain things like this happen uh, in reality, too. Uh, I feel like they, you know, there's other reports of some some big thing being unveiled by a, a simply a brake light being out or something like that. They'll mm-hmm. find, like, this killer because there's, you know, something inconsequential or you wouldn't really think about happening. So some kind of coincidence or something that broke up. Well, yeah, I like mean, that. generally when a conspiracy is actually happening... An accident can spark off chain reactions, definitely. Yeah, right? but then like, we saw the Dark Army shooting up 
the entire place. When Dom got out alive, we saw them shooting up the restaurant, not caring who they killed. It's just, it would be a little bit weird if these people weren't tied in. Because you're right, Dark Army definitely seems to be cleaning house. Mm -hmm. And I do believe they would have gotten Trenton Mobley had they not run. Well, I don't know. Were they, I don't think. I mean, if we listen to this, we don't think that Dark Army was after them at all. They only went after Cisco because of the report being put out by the FBI, right? That's why they eventually went after him because the FBI put that. His oh face yeah, but out I there. don't think I believe that. What, oh, okay. What, uh, what Dom's, Dom's saying her right okay. now? Well, she might think it's true, right? But I don't think that Dom knows. She knows a lot more than we thought she did. I don't right. think she knows everything, but this is where we find out exactly how much. Well, what I was saying is I don't believe that he was randomly killed, but I I feel like that's I I don't think it was Dark Army either. Mm-hmm. You know, because so, of the manner, the yeah. one bullet, no machine gun, right? Yeah. So seems yeah. a little more targeted, right? Yeah, and here we see. Just Arlene's face as she's looking at something. We don't know what it is yet. And this is where the power flickers again, but just one strong surge right mm-hmm. behind her head. While she's walking forward, yeah. Right. That and was cool. finally, the camera flips around and we see Darlene staring at the board. Now, before we get into that part, I have to give credit to Jason here. Yeah. Last episode at the 159 timestamp, because I went back to it just for you, you talked about, okay, so if we had this big board, like we were detectives, and we were putting up all the names of everybody important on there, and we would have X's through those that are dead, and question marks around those that we weren't sure of. (laughs) So it's pretty crazy that you... Gave such a description, and now we are seeing exactly such a board. Maybe I am Sam Asmel. <laughs> well, maybe you work for the FBI. I don't think that was <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust this fucker. No. And so all the names are up there, and it's pretty amazing how they start only panning through. You only see through the camera lens what Darlene is looking at. She first sees All Safe and Ollie Parker, which then goes over to Gideon. Then she sees Cisco. Then Angela, which takes her to E Corp. And Susan Jacobs. And then the F Society militants, as they've labeled them. And this is where she sees her name, Darlene. And that's linked to Elliot. And we see her panning, and you kind of think Elliot's going to be the big thing in the middle. But then it zooms out and you start to see all the names and at the center is Tyrell. Just like we had suspected and talked about a while back that he was really going to be the public face on it. He was going to be the one everybody was after. We weren't even sure if they knew about Elliot. They certainly aren't putting him at the center of things. Yeah. And if you had any question in your mind, this should put it to Mm. bed that they are two different people. Right. Because the FBI, a separate yes. entity, has Elliot and Tyrell up on that board. I, well, it was crazy to see how much of a grasp they had on everything. And I was doing a quick scan. Is, is uh, White Rose there? No. Nope. Yep. But Price So they had Darlene either. surrounded by F Society. So they felt like Darlene was in control of F Society and then branched off 
above Darlene to was Elliot. Elliot. And then Branstall, almost like he might not even be important. No, I think no, it was more because he was closer to the circle, central circle, but that she was the leader of the little group. Right. And then he That's was the leader of her. That's how it connects to Elliot. And then Tyrell is like the main but corporate. They could culprit. just be showing that the link from Darlene to Tyrell is Elliot. He is what ties the two of them together. Well, I mean, I'm looking at it now. And it's just arrows pointing to from Tyrell and from Elliot pointing to the word F society. Not mm. directly. There's the arrows too. And then there's no link from Darlene to Tyrell. There's a link to Elliot. Right. Darlene to Elliot. Right. As a sister. But really they have arrows going into the box saying they're part of F society. society. It's just that they have all these links going to, you know, E Corp and the militant. Right. So how they connected. He's got this whole other thing with Shayla and. But how they connected Angela. I mean, I'm sorry, how they connected Darlene and Tyrell was through Elliot. Right. That's how they spanned that bridge. So they know he's a part of things and they're using him as a link, but I just wonder how important they see him. It really seems like they want the ringleader of F Society, which is Darlene. They've gotten her. Mm -hmm. And now they want to get to Tyrell because he's the big fish that they've been circling around. Right. So they're not as on to Elliot, which we kind of thought that too. Um, It's not so far off. So again, these are those reveals where this is the big moment where we see the board and the whole plan. And it's kind of exactly what we thought. No, I didn't think that they knew that much. I didn't think they knew anything about Elliot. Well, we wondered if they knew anything about Elliot. Right. I didn't know how all these other people, even people that we haven't seen since episode one, uh, the fatter white dude, I forget his name. Sorry. Um, Mobley? No. Um, one of the militants? Clean shaved. He was, Ollie? He, I forget. It doesn't matter. Well, but we knew they were on to Ollie. Because they, Ollie was the one that came to them and started to tell them about this Terry whole Colby? mess. It doesn't matter. The, just, I, thought, I thought it was a great scene. First of all, just the way they did it and they recorded how the reveal. And then just this huge, this huge wall full of all these faces that we know. I'm like, wow, they know more. I thought they were, like, clawing at things. I mean, just from this board, I have a picture of it from Reddit, and they show a lot of stuff. But what, the other stuff, the out outside on the edge stuff that's yeah. interesting is that there's foreign members of F Society out there. They have stuff in Europe, overseas, something in Germany. Oh, wow. Uh, something in the UK. They also, and I don't know if this is on the very side, it says Cyan. Which is the la- like what supposedly uh, a reference to Jesus or yeah. the last sign, the last like sign. the bloodline of of mm. of Jesus, which seems to be relating to this religious area that they're pushing in with Elliot, the kind of devotion from the people on White Rose's side and the love from Tyrell to Elliot, unless there is some kind of connection there. But uh, I thought that was interesting that it's on the side. I don't really know what it means. There's, it says LHM to White House sit room and then DD amateur. I don't know. So I don't know what it really has to do, but it just says sign on the side. And I thought that was interesting. Um, and the other members of F Society. So that's really cool. And you got to see it to get the visual effect. So maybe we can put the link up on our Twitter. Sure. For Send that, that to me, please. Uh, then the last thing, the way Dom reacts, nope, the way Darlene reacts, 
is surprise and maybe a little bit of anger because she's thinking my brother is in cahoots with the enemy, Tyrell. Because she knew nothing about yeah, Tyrell. Elliot and Tyrell yeah, talking and working with that. each other. So imagine how she's feeling. If she even, if she's even believes the whole thing or doesn't know if they have all the information right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they I maybe if have I a saw lot that whole thing right. and all the faces that I know, I'd be like, holy right. shit. Yeah. Do you My think she's going to fold from you? You think it should be relief that they're not after Elliot as the main guy. My my whole thing was just what you were thinking, Jason. I was thinking what I was seeing is Darlene has no idea what's going on. Who knows what she's thinking? Like, she, she, I don't think she was on that this thing is so much bigger than her. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, she, she knows White Rose is out there. There was a, um, she overheard that the second phase was brought on by Elliot, and she didn't know that, right? She overheard right. that? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's one thing. And then now Tyrell is there, who is supposedly the enemy, and he is caught up in it. So I think she's really starting to get an understanding. It's really starting to hit her that this thing is way, way, way bigger than she even thought it was, and it's way more intricate. And what are the implications of that now? Plus, I think she's mad at Dom in the moment for playing with her and stringing her along. When she first got into that situation room, she looks exhausted. She looks mm-hmm. a mess. She talks about how she's taking advantage of the fact that she's in mourning for losing the love of her life and making it seem like they didn't have that much. And she was digging at Darlene. And now she sees they've been on to all of this all along. I think she's really overwhelmed in that moment. And the fact that we're not really talking about which Jamal led us very well into is Dom made an point to tell her she was special and her saying no I'm not that's never been me calls us back to the story last episode that she's always felt different that Elliot was always the chosen one and she was the one that was so unspecial and unique that she preferred being kidnapped from her family Hmm. so that at least this crazy stranger would take her to Nathan's and she could pick out what she wanted to eat and have her own bed. So I think there is a part of Darlene that, like Tyrell, wanted to be something bigger, mm. wanted to be part of this greater cause, and wanted to be special. So maybe a piece of her, when Elliot dropped off the face of the earth, was almost excited to be the leader of this group. Now, she did feel like she couldn't handle the pressure and it was all a lot, but it also made her special. Yeah. And now she's seeing how very unspecial she is because, like Jamal says, there's this whole bigger plan and you're just one tiny cog in the wheel. But isn't that the opposite reason that we thought that uh, Dom brought her over there? Didn't she bring her with the premise of Darlene being special? Yeah, and either she thinks this is going to prove that she is because she's part of this big thing and she doesn't understand what that's going to mean. I'm sure she doesn't know the complex relationship that she has with Elliot and Mm -hmm. how that's going to make her feel. Right. Or she just wants to dash her and break her. She's had enough of trying to play nice and now she wants to crack her. Overload her to see how much they have. Um, Maybe. Do you think she's going to break? Do you think... Dom's no. going to fold now? You think Darlene, Darlene is going to fold? No. Shit, I keep saying that. 
Watch no. your language. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Darlene will break. I don't see that from her ever. I wouldn't have thought so, but when she first came into that room, she looked pretty darn close. And I hadn't realized just how important Cisco was to her. I know they had this relationship he proposed right. to her, but she always seemed to be at a certain emotional distance from him. It really hit her hard to lose him. Do you think all the uh, people saying that she's a lesbian is out now? Dom? I, I think that was or, so... Uh, Darlene. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that was so overplayed. I think oh. that it could be true for Dom, but I think people were trying to build this connection between Dom and Darlene that yeah. maybe they had a relationship in the past. Can and we go back to that, what Dom said? She said that she is her, but I don't really see that many relations between Dom and Darlene at all. So I don't understand why why she said that. See, I think other people were seeing that too, and so they wanted to build this big thing between Dom and Darlene. I think it's it's more like Dom is desperately trying to identify with somebody because she has so many issues with not having any attachments in her life, and right. she thinks that the one thing she has is she's good at her job, and so she's found the key to cracking Darlene this similarity that they share, but even Darlene tells her, you're off your rocker. Just because the two of us are wacky hmm. girls from Jersey does not make us anything alike. Right. And I think that's the truth. Okay, we have two more scenes in the episode proper. The next one is the big one with Tyrell, Elliot, and Mr. Robot. We open up with Elliot saying, I tried everything. I fought him. I OD'd on Adderall. I even got myself arrested. What is it that you care so much about What's this all for? I'm not tormenting you. After everything you've put me through, you continue to lie? I didn't lie to you. He's alive, man. He's sitting right there. You made a plan with the Dark Army. When was that? The night of the hack. When is stage two, the femme to sell the back door? You planned all of that with him? You can't look at it like this. You're me, I'm you. You figured that out. We're the same guy. Everything you're blaming me for, you're blaming yourself for. Stop talking in circles. You got White Rose to get us out of prison. The release, that was you. You somehow communicated with them. It's what you wanted. You said to Darlene before we started this thing that we had to go all the way. It was all part of the plan. Otherwise, what was the point of the hack? If we were going to do this, we had to go all the way. And that, Elliot, is what I want. It's what you asked me here for. Then tell me, what is that exactly? What is all the way? This is where we get into trouble. You're meant to know only as much as you can handle. When you wander outside of your realm is when we end up fighting. Are you... You're distracting me right now? Then he turns to Mr. Robot and says, Why is it so important for you to torment me? What do you care about so much? You continue to lie. When did you make the plan with the Dark Army? Was it the night of the hack? What is stage two? Did you plan all of it with him? He's really getting frustrated now. Mr. Robot tells him to stop talking in circles. That all he did was get White Rose to let them out of prison. And in fact, Elliot was the one that communicated with White Rose. And Elliot told Darlene in the beginning they had to go all the way. That's what you asked me here for, and this is when we get in trouble, because you're only meant to know as much as you can handle. When you wander outside of your realm is when we start fighting. Mm -hmm. So this is what I was saying last episode and the one before, that I think 
to a certain extent, Mr. Robot's trying to protect him in a way because he knows he's not going to be able to handle stage two and all of this stuff, and it's going to morally kind of go against his grain. And he's trying to stop the fighting and kind of keep moving this thing forward, but Elliot is not having it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he realizes shortly into this speech that what Robot is doing is distracting him from what Tyrell is doing, which is quietly hacking away on the computer. And he says, oh, I'm hacking the firm the way you told me to. (laughs) What's the problem? And Elliot starts to rebel now, saying he's going to delete the malware, he's going to get rid of the back door and shut it all down. And Tyrell starts getting very upset and saying, you're going to ruin everything. Now, at this point, Mr. Robot tries to warn Elliot. He tells him to leave the computer alone. Trust me, he won't let you do this. So, again, we see him sort of in that protector role. Like, he knows Tyrell's going to go off the handle. And Tyrell does. He goes and gets the gun, and he points it at Elliot. He says, we were supposed to be gods together. You want to destroy our destiny? Okay, now this is when Elliot decides he needs to man up. For mm-hmm. some reason, he decides when the, the gun is pointed to his head, he's going to lay down the law. He says, you're the same, looking at Robot and Tyrell. It's another one of his mind tricks. Tyrell is not holding that gun. He's not even there. Mm-hmm. He can't shoot me because he doesn't exist. I'm the only one that exists. It's time to finally take back control. I love this line, and how we've seen all the posters that say control is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And also, when if you watch any other USA shows, the commercial is just that for Mr. Yeah. Robot. Oh, yeah. Control is an illusion, <laughs> Mr. Robot. I loved how... Um, so we, we talked about foreshadowing as soon as they get into the room and mm-hmm. Elliot's talking to us. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yep. You, you, can't, uh, you can't believe anything you see. So he's not believing what he's seeing. And he's like, You're, you are me. I'm going to get shot again just like Mr. Robot shot me in jail. Right. Yeah, we've been fighting for he's control been, all season. What makes this any different? He's been conditioned to yeah. think that, the, that this, could, this is all a lie. Self-conditioned, and, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, self, but also by Mr. Robot, almost to the point where maybe Robot knows that Elliot, once he knows this, isn't going to let it go through and that he has to get shot. I didn't read it that way. I think he was trying to protect him from this eventuality. He told him, get up from the computer, stop what you're doing. This is a bad idea. I saw the panic in Mr. Robot. But he also said, this is what going all the way means. So Mm -hmm. if it means one of us has to get taken down, then that's what has to happen. Like Jamal was saying earlier, like nothing can stop this plan now, including us. Did you notice in the scene when he's arguing with Mr. Robot, Elliot, that is, it's a handheld camera. They do uh, this no. so every so often. Mm-hmm. So it's not the typical camera. It's handheld, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. It creates the atmosphere for you. I just love the jumping around in that scene where Robot was just appearing in different places yeah. mm-hmm. from his point of view. Trying to uh, distract him. Right. Also, I think it kind of, I, th- I read this somewhere. I forget where, um, but uh, it struck a chord. It kind of speaks to us as people where we have our arguments with ourselves. We have the arguments with the part that doubts ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have the arguments with the part that gets mad um, daily and the part that's saying, you know, don't be angry all the time in your life. The, these distractions, distractions again, we have in life that, that we give to ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. internally. 
think it speaks volumes about that. And I, um, I, I just could not help but love all of the uh, Fight Club references. Yeah, it was great. Because that's my whole thing was Tyler Durden had told the cops that his alter ego might come out and try to stop the plan. And there's the great scene where he's like, oh, you said you would say that. Yeah. You said you would definitely say that. Yeah, they're about to cut and, his balls off. And he's and like... they're about to cut his balls off. <laughs> that's right. They were instructed to do that to anybody who would try to stop the plan because Tyler Durden knew that the like that he would try to stop the plan once he came into um into uh well I think in in Fight Club they were saying they were commending him he's like you're making a a great yeah, sacrifice you're great here you're doing a great thing doing- sir it's going to be a great example to everybody else who tries to go against the plan. Right. So, you know, that's that one thing. And then also, if you look at the um, the ending scene of Fight Club, the last time he faces off between him and Tyler Durden, he says the same thing. The gun's not in your hand, Tyler. The gun's in my hand. Right. <laughs> and then the gun disappears out of Tyler Durden's hand, and he says it. He's like, why am I arguing with you? You're not even real. You're in my head. Hmm. <laughs> So he's yeah. saying all of those things, and they're right across from the credit card buildings that they're about to blow up. That's right. And they're there to have a view of the credit card buildings as they're about to blow up. Yeah. I agree. Even and, though I thought, uh, although in this scene, even though I thought Tyrell was real, I was still nervous that they were going, that he was going to be not real, that you were going to see the gun in Elliot's hand. Me too. Well, I think they were making you nervous because that's what Elliot believes this whole time. He believes that it's just the same thing as what's been happening with Mr. Robot, that Mr. Robot told him that they killed Tyrell a while ago. So if he's here, he can't be real. He's got to be part of my mind. And this will just be the same thing as Mr. Robot shooting me in the head. Like we said, that happened in a previous episode, but I've been a firm believer that Tyrell is alive for a while now. I really didn't want to believe the Elliot is Tyrell thing. Right. So I'm sitting here in a a fucking panic. (laughs) Right. Like you idiot. This guy is about to shoot you. This is insane. You finally decide to take a stand at the worst possible moment. I was really mad at Mr. Robot for not doing more because, yes, Elliot needs to be stopped in the moment, but does he need to be shot? I mean, this is insane. If he's not shot, do you, th- you think there's any way Elliot lets this plan go through? Oh, I think Mr. Robot could definitely find another way mm. other yeah, than letting Tyrell shoot him. No, I think he definitely needs to be shot and lose at least three weeks. Maybe even a month. Who knows? Well, we've I think seen he- Mr. Robot take over and put him out of commission for three days when he needed to execute the hack every this single is- night when he needed to go out and play. I mean... But- Elliot can, at this exact point, ruin it, though. I don't know right. if Robot knows if he could just take him over. So he put a check and balance, and I think it is perfect because they've come way too far. And he's explaining to him, like, once again, Tyler Durden said... You made me up. 
I didn't make you up. You made me up. You created me because you needed me. You needed me to do all of these things that you're too afraid to do. So my whole existence is here to protect you. Everything, I, I'm not separate from you. You right. created me and here I am in existence, acknowledging my own existence to do all of the things you really want to do. And it would be a betrayal to both of us for me to not go and do everything that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Every single thing including shoot ourselves well Jamal, including take the punches for you i would believe that except we were just talking about i know it feels like a while because it's spaced out between scenes about how when we opened this up we saw mr robot being the person speaking and in control even though we were seeing elliot and then any other time throughout the season that we've seen them fighting for control we've seen evidence of that happening mm -hmm. we just said earlier like what happened to that struggle that we saw a few episodes ago where yeah, when they were fighting like well, what's I, going on were we overheating yeah there was overheating now in this moment there didn't seem to be any kind of power struggle whatsoever no. leading up to this mr robot saw what was happening he's very calmly sitting there going oh, don't do this you really don't want to do this but it didn't feel like a struggle for control at no, all it wasn't i don't but think it was that's like, why this i think was that inevitable i was in on this yeah that's what i'm saying maybe robot knew that he had to be shot he had to be shot. To stop that's it, he had think. to be shot. That's what they're I don't saying. Think right. that you so just it agreed wasn't with that us. He, it well, no, because I was saying that <laughs> it's not that Mr. Robot couldn't have taken control right. in another way if he wanted to. I think he could have. Right, but he let him get shot. He didn't shot. have to be shot. He let him get shot anyway. Right. Because so, Elliot needed to be why? shot. Why? Because he was going to stop it. I don't think he could have just taken over, but... I think Elliot... This is the thing, right? This is a religion. This is not just some game here. Your disciple was given instructions. And when he seen it, like Tyrell's purpose is so much clearer. He was like, when you said, do not let anyone stop this mission, I know what you mean. I know no. what you meant. And yeah. this is the gun you gave me. He and didn't know what he meant, but he knows that now. I'm about to use yeah. on you. As per your instructions. Yeah, it's that so was the gun that Darlene stole, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so beautiful. Like, <laughs> you told me that this day would come. So, like, in Hicksville, they had found the uh, in the Apocrypha, the Gospel of Judas, where Jesus told, instead of Judas betraying him, the Gospel says Jesus told Judas right. that you're going to have to betray me, and I'm going to have to be a martyr, and you're going to have to do this. And, I'm and you're going to be hated. You. You're going to be hated, but you're going to be my number one disciple because you're the closest one to me and you love me the most. But you have to betray me as part of this big religion and plan. And I think Mr. Robot gave him fair warning. But the fact that this guy knew to pull out the gun and shoot him. And then as we started seeing in the other scenes, it was almost like prophecy. Like, I have to shoot this this kid because it can't look like we don't know what's going on. Like, we started this whole plan, and yes, Mr. Robot may be able to struggle, but I don't think Mr. Robot's 100% confident that he should be fighting with himself in mm -hmm. front of Tyrell. There needs to be a moment of strength where I said, look, if you see me act this way, shoot me. And I'm giving you that direction because you might see a struggle go on, and I don't want myself to go sit down there and do anything to stop this big plan that we've worked on. So you have 
direct instructions as hard as it might be. We can't delay this process. Maybe I can stop him. Maybe he might pop back up and it can screw things up when you're actually typing or maybe Elliot might pull something and ruin it because there was a struggle for him to go into court and it didn't seem like Mr. Robot could have stopped him from going to jail at that point, even though Mr. Robot was like, what are you doing? Right. But he Don't was trying. It. Yeah, he was, he was trying. There was yeah. no real struggle here. And that's what I think we're missing the bigger point. I don't want to get too bogged down in this, that it it wasn't just about stopping Elliot. No, it, it, there, there no was a to. much... He already has his disciple in the room with a gun yeah, but ready that's not to what do what needs to be done. There, there was a much bigger purpose going on because we'll see and we'll talk about it in a minute. Angela knew this whole thing was going to happen because White Rose told her to expect the call from Tyrell, to I expect that, that, that you were going to hear about this and that she wanted to be there when he woke up. She knew down to the detail that everything like this was going to happen, which means White Rose was behind this as well. And if that was the case, there's two people in that room right now. There's Tyrell and there's Elliot. So mm-hmm. who did White Rose orchestrate the plan with? It was one of them. What do you mean? Well, he talked to the Elliot. Uh, I mean, Elliot. Ro- Mr. Robot. So, Mr. Robot. Right. It was either Elliot acting as Mr. Robot, and right. White Rose gave him that plan, and so then Mr. Robot had to turn around and tell Tyrell, you need to shoot him. I don't know if... I mean, I think that there was a gap in time, because it's daytime now, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. When you get shot? Yes. When Angela talks to Tyrell, mm-hmm. it's hours later. It's nighttime. Right. So anywhere in between that time, Angela could have been told that Tyrell is going to call him, going to call her. So she Rose. may not have known this whole time. They, she just found, she maybe she found out after Elliot was shot. Right. Right. Well, but not like that she had this that she knew from the beginning that Elliot was going to get well, shot. Well, no, not from the beginning. Incident. I'm saying this was White Rose's plan all along. And he well, told uh, Angela both of their at some plans, point. Mr. Robots and White Rose. Well, that was my question. Yeah. Right. So I'm saying if White Rose had this plan all along and at some point told Angela about it so that she could be ready, whether it was before or while he was down or whatever the fuck it was, <laughs> the point is that White Rose had to orchestrate that plan with somebody, and there was only two people in the room. Right. There was Tyrell or there was Mr. Robot. It's got to be Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. And even yeah. if it was Mr. Robot, he wasn't the one that pulled the gun, so Mr. Robot had to have told Tyrell, you're going to have to shoot him. Yeah, this he did is tell all him. part yeah. of the plan. Yeah. 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 He said, don't let anyone get in the way. Don't so, let anyone stop this plan. And I believe that, that that was given out to not just Tyrell. I believe White Rose. Like, it's, you know, I hate to keep going back to Fight Club, but everybody knew that no one is to stop the plan. The plan is bigger than anyone in it. But it seemed I, like White Rose was the orchestrator of the plan. Not that everybody knew, including White Rose, that these instructions came from White Rose. No, they mm. said... Uh, it was his idea about Elliot a couple episodes ago. It was Elliot's idea, phase two. Phase right. two. Yeah. I'm talking about shooting Elliot. I don't think no, it was No, I don't think shooting uh, Elliot was the plan. I think if it comes down to it, you got to do anything possible. Because Tyrell said that shoot when you Elliot. told me, when you told me do not let anyone stop the plan, I finally knew what you were talking about. And he pulled out the gun. Yep. And there was such a, like, 
So I don't think White Rose told him that. I think Mr. he's saying Mr. Robot basically told him in one way or another not to do it. And he calls in Angela in this panic, like, I love them and I'm scared. He's like, I love them too, but you did what needed to be done. But, and, her, but, but, but somebody called Angela and told her specifically mm-hmm. yeah, right. we don't know. this was going to happen, that Tyrell was going to call and say oh, I see what you're saying. that Elliot's down. I see what you're saying. So White Rose had to have planned. It wasn't like she just was uh, like... I get it. I think that this option you know what was I mean? there. But, and they had everything. They had to have everything in place because I also think that the guys that were there, the... The Asian guy mm-hmm. that's dressed in the hazmat mm-hmm. suit. I think that those guys operated on Elliot in this scene. I think that they were ready for him to be shot and that they were ready to perform, perform on him an operation on him to save his life. Well, after something this. Must so be. this whole thing was a setup that by it, Mr. Robot. Th- by by, by is, Mr. Robot, though. I think Mr. Robot, because, like, all right, when we started this scene and I seen the conversation he had with Tyrell, I'm like, wow, Mr. Robot is really orchestrating this religion. The thing that he told him, look up to the sky. I didn't know in season one what he was telling his wife. And, yeah. it, you know, to, for Mr. Robot to be thinking in just that way, because when you see the interaction with Mr. Robot and Elliot, it's never that philosophical. It's never that cultish. It's never that religious. But and, you know, I'm seeing Mr. Robot talk through Elliot, but it's just so much more powerful. Not the guy who's kind of on Elliot's side, not on Elliot's side. And it's just this paranoid guy yelling at Elliot, don't do this, don't do that. When he talks to other people and he lays out a plan, this plan has been laid out. Phase two was all his idea. So it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me that he would call White Rose and tell White Rose, Look, yeah, but you, or one of the associates. You guys are you guys are saying it like it happened on the fly, and then they called White Rose. No, no, no. And so no I White don't think Rose I, I told think it was always Angie it's okay. But White Rose told Angela enough that even when she finds out that Elliot, the person she cares probably most for in the world, was shot, she has literally no reaction. Like yeah. she, she is know, she absolutely Mr. Con- she, knows- she is absolutely confident. That Elliot's going to be fine and that Tyrell should just not worry about it because this was all planned. This was all laid out and just, I'm going to come, I'm going to be there. Now, she would never act like that if somebody hadn't told her, it's okay, everything was put into place. This was set up like this for a reason Mm -hmm. and it's going to work out because of this bigger purpose. And we just saw last episode, Angela leaving a room with White Rose suddenly converted to this belief, suddenly mm-hmm. feeling okay about everything. And let's not forget that supposedly they spoke for 28 minutes, but we only saw a very, very short part of that conversation. Right. So something she told her linked her and Elliot. She explained why the two of them were special, how this all went back to the beginning. So I can't believe that this was all Mr. Robot's plan, who is essentially Elliot mm-hmm. himself and not White Rose's plan. So No, yeah, no, I, th- I don't think that it's just... What I'm saying is, if Mr. Robot says that I can split into two people to White Rose, and if anything happens to me, can you provide healthcare, get me back to normal, because I might need to get be put down, because I who knows when my other side might wake up and stop the plan. Or maybe Angela he knows essentially that knows Mr. Robot does exist. And White Rose could have, of course, filled her in. You know that your friend talks to his father. 
his father, the other part is his personality, is what's running this whole thing. It's not an accident. We don't know what the background between White Rose and Elliot is yet. But White Rose obviously knows a little bit more about him. We don't know what conversations Mr. Rose. So I do think I'm not saying that this was some random thing. I think that it was known that he can be put down at any time if he pops his head out again. And I believe Angela is 100 percent converted to this religion. So she would be calm because even if Elliot is dead. This plan and whatever she's convinced that she's in now is so much bigger. And she says, I love him, too. But she's not panicking. And Tyrell is. So her face, even when she walked up to a lawyer, she is dropping her mother's death, her father. Like, she's given up. Can I, uh, can I talk about my theory now or whatever? I've told you about this little Jamal, but it's just a fun theory. So what if White Rose knows about Mr. Robot and Elliot. What's the most important thing to White Rose? Plant. We only yeah, know that plant, it has something to do with the Washington The plant, plant and time, mm-hmm. right? You know, making the most of his time. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, well, what if Elliot's been running this whole time, right, with Mr. Robot? When he goes to sleep, Mr. Robot's awake. Mm-hmm. So, think of how much he can get accomplished. Mm-hmm. How, what's the most amount of time that White Rose would lose when she's sleeping? Right. What if the plant is a type of alternate personality implanted into you so that you can maximize your time. This way, while one's asleep, the other's Yeah, that's the awake. Reddit theory. Right? We brought so, that up last episode. Oh, you did? That okay. They were, that so, Elliot and Angela were implanted with multiple personalities. Right, right. So now, so now Angela, this part of Angela, is the alternate that's awake right now. And that's why she seemingly has no emotion towards well, what's going on with Elliot. That would make sense, but if you follow that through, it kind of kind of proves it that it this wasn't just some contingency plan that this may happen, he may have to get shot, we may have to have people standing by to do surgery because there's still a lot of risk in that. And I don't right. think White Rose likes risk. I think that if Elliot and Angela are in fact so important to him as he's been saying, you're right. at you're at the intersection of all of this and you know she's not going to want to take the risk that he dies. I think it had to be calculated. She had to be I think it is. sure yeah, that but it he is. was going to be okay. It is calculated. So I'm agreeing. My question is, though, how can you be sure that somebody's going to get gut-shotted from right. close yeah, that's range? That's I don't care if shot. you've got yeah. the best doctor standing by right now. Right. You could die before anybody has a chance to do anything. Right, he could you be paralyzed, die. yeah. He was so, definitely shot in a bad spot. <laughs> he was definitely you, shot, but shot I think I think I think the plan is okay if Elliot is dead. To me, he could have probably been shot some time ago, even before that, if if he tried to run the risk of destroying this plan. And we're gonna have to come up with contingencies. But Mister Robot has done a very good job of keeping Elliot away, and Elliot caught on with the mind awake, body asleep, found out a little bit of something. And then now has even caught on more. And Mr. Robot could not convince him to just chill. And then Mr. Robot tried to distract him. He's like, are you trying to distract me? What's going on? And he caught on. So I think that his death might have been probably something that's inevitable. But Mr. Robot is okay with that. White Rose is okay with that. Because Elliot is still part, like, when Jesus dies or... 
whoever the Messiah dies or whoever sacrifices themselves, yeah, well, the plan will go on. That's saying I that you don't. There's any way to keep this plan going when Elliot would not want it to happen. I think it's a risk either way. I don't think there's, oh, Mr. Robot, his best bet is to try to take over Elliot. What if he doesn't take over Elliot and Tyrell just sits there and allows Elliot to undo everything? Yeah, but that's saying two things. That's saying, one, that you think this is White Rose's plan, that White Rose really does care that much about them following through on the taking down of the banking system and whatever else, and we just got done saying that we don't think that really is White Rose's plan, that White Rose is on to something much bigger. Well, that's well, also, say, Mr. That's also saying Mr. that you don't think that White Rose still needs Elliot badly in some capacity that she's okay with him dying so either she doesn't need him for the hacking or anything anymore because he is one of the most brilliant hackers and if we want this plan to go through we probably want him in some capacity to do that or if he's part of an experiment where he had multiple personalities implanted into him then you probably need him to continue as an experiment i mean that's just saying that elliot himself is not very special anymore it's the plan that's bigger than him and mm -hmm. we can let him go but i feel like White Rose indicated in the last episode that Angela and Elliot, particularly as individuals, are somehow important and special. I think they're special. I don't think it means that he's not special, and I don't think it needs to be White Rose's plan. I think it's Mr. Robot's plan, but at the end of the day, they cannot control Elliot. I mean, Tyrell could have literally just punched him in the face and knocked him out. There was literally no reason he could have shot him in the leg. There is no reason to gut shoot him at point blank range in the stomach well, unless this is something that you plan and you somehow know it's going to be okay. So is there any scenario where we know that shooting him is going to be all right? I now, mean, he I feel him. like he there's, the the there's a couple of scenarios that we discussed, like being able to access these alternate parallel realities where we can go back in time and change this or skip over to this reality and finagle that. Or you could be in a virtual reality where he's not actually going to die from this shooting. There could be some other things going on but that we haven't, we haven't brought up yet. Um, oh, so you're saying that you think that White Rose's plan, because White Rose can control time and reverse it somehow? Yes, or it's not okay. reality because she keeps bringing that up. Maybe right. this is a virtual reality existence that we're living in, and so he's not really going to get hurt by that. Or do you think it's possible that he wasn't shot then? Could in be. In real life? Oh, yeah, I think it definitely could be. Okay. I'm good with that either way. I'm good with any, any theory where Mr. Robot and White Rose, not excluding White Rose, to me, they're the both the crux of this religion. Yes. So, you know, either one of them coming up with a plan at, that leads to this conclusion, whether it's real, whether it's not real, whether they shot him, the goals and everything to me are very important. Like I said, it's more religious. And, you know, you're martyr. The, the person can be martyred. They can, they can be resurrected, you know. So I'm good with all of those things because it's all part of the religious ideology type of thing that I'm seeing here with Elliot, with White Rose, who has disciples who are willing to shoot themselves in the head and never come back, with how Angela is reacting to this, how Tyrell is reacting to how Tyrell's wife, which is one of the biggest things that I've seen, like, she's almost like a, the high priestess. She's pushed 
Tyrell and Tyrell came back with this thing about looking to the sky and she's there somehow protecting this kid in the hoodie, which is something that I didn't really understand unless she knows a little bit about this religion. She knew to come to his house and say, I know you know where my husband is, find my husband. So I, I believe that it's all just a religious ideology, whether we get into the uh, paranormal or the paradimensional stuff. It, it remains to be seen. And I think it's open to that. I think it's definitely open to time travel with the Back to the Future references as well. Well, and I think if that's the case, that Mr. Robot knew this was going to happen. Angela knew it was going to happen because White Rose told them, but Tyrell did not because we see Angela feeling okay about it when she finds out when we go into this last scene and she answers the phone and she says she knew it would be Tyrell. She's been expecting it. Not to worry, don't let anyone near him because she'll be right there and she should be the first one he sees when he wakes up. And I think that's going to be more important than just emotional support. There's a reason why that he did what needed to be done and Tyrell is the one crying and saying I love him where Angie is pretty calm. So I don't think Tyrell knew about that. Yeah, what did that mean, I love him? What did, mm. what did that mean to you guys? I thought it was a religious thing. Religious. Like, you got it as that? Okay. Yeah, going, said me too. going back to that conversation earlier where he's talking about the red wheelbarrow and needing to understand, needing to be part of this bigger thing. And if Elliot goes down, then he's not a part of that anymore. Unless it is a romantic feeling because Tyrell has, well, I don't know if it's a romantic feeling, yeah, but, but he has at least done the deed with another man. I didn't get that vibe here. Yeah, I, I didn't get it either. I'm just saying. so much bigger than that. It was I think bigger, this man right. given him I agree. purpose. Uh, although uh, I want to talk about the scene in between, the let's be frank scene. I yes. love that scene after he gets <laughs> yep. shot and it says, what is really happening? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to tell <laughs> us. Yep. Only then we get muted, <laughs> muted and we never get to know. <laughs> muted. So these are the, the messing with us things that I'm not so crazy on. Oh, I like them. Okay, this is going to seem out of place because we're recording this after we already recorded the show and we got an email in late from one of our listeners. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that we put this out there because it's actually something that's been tickling the back of my brain and I couldn't figure out how it would work. But thank you to Vicky who wrote in and asked, I was wondering if the scenes with Elliot and Tyrell were what happened during the three days we missed with Elliot. I think I might agree with that. And I would have to watch the episode again Maybe we can do that before we do the bonus cast and flesh this out. Just to put this out there so you guys can chew on it, maybe write in if you have thoughts about it. I think that it's a possibility, right? Because we see that Dom has located this bullet casing from the F Society building, but she can't actually find the bullet itself, which is bizarre, and we could never figure out what got shot? Did anybody got shot? It didn't seem like anybody was hurt after that scene mm -hmm. that we've noticed up until now. So I was thinking about that a lot, especially with Dom coming into that interview room and pulling that back out again. And then we did, in fact, see somebody get shot at the end of this episode, which was Elliot. We also never got a look at what happened during those three days where Elliot blacked out. And it seems like he's blacking out at the end of this episode. So I know that the setting doesn't match up because mm -hmm. it happened in F Society building and this is in a different place. But we could just be seeing another thing of Elliot showing us an alternate reality, like with the prison sequence. Perhaps. That's the only part that kind of doesn't, doesn't add fit. up to me. Mm -hmm. But we did open up this episode with going back to 
a scene from season one with Elliot acting as Mr. Robot talking to Tyrell. So maybe right. that was supposed to show us this was all a flashback, the scenes with him and Tyrell this episode. Right, so not the whole episode, but the scenes with Tyrell and, and Elliot, Elliot specifically. So this would be before this season, basically those three days where he finally he wakes up in the car, mm-hmm. Tyrell's car, and doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, and it was executed without him. And we do see Tyrell executing something on the computer here. That's really interesting. I kind of dig it. I only have two questions, though. What was executed after that part when he wakes up was phase one, not two. And also, he doesn't have a wound or anything. He's, like, not hurting. Right, but they were talking about phase two. So maybe they were executing phase one here, and Tyrell was talking to him getting very grandiose about this is what we could do for phase two, trying to present this to him. Uh, This is when he was like, dude, you're going too far. You're talking about this God stuff. You want to blow up a building. Right. And he, Tyrell pulls the gun out of a box, but maybe in real life it was pulling it out of the popcorn machine. Whoa. That puts a whole nother spin on it. But if it is only Tyrell and Elliot that are flashing back, right. Why doesn't he have a wound? Why isn't anything wrong with him? Yeah. So that leads me into, I have to think about something for our next episode, which is, was this whole season not real? We've got a lot of tip-offs about unreality, left and right. We left season one seeing that very bizarre shot of Elliot in Times Square that didn't feel real. And then throughout the course of this season, we've had an 80s, 90s style sitcom thing we've yeah. had a prison that wasn't really a prison the back to the future theme going on so is this all just him being unconscious fighting for his life from this gut shot well that really pops my kernels i don't love it and that's what we were afraid of the whole time but thinking a about it a little bit oh uh, it could be and not saying it would be sacrilege so we had to put it on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so we'll think about that and we'll talk about it a little more next time on our bonus cast but if we're going to have an extra scene, I really like this one that we mm-hmm. get the end credits. You really don't know that this is going to happen. It was a surprise for me. Um, and we see a black car pulling into Fry's electronic store parking lot. Cadillac. It's got a dragon symbol in it, by the way, Ouroboros. The girl is saying this might work. You really mm-hmm. can't tell at first who they are because they're far away and they're calling themselves Frederick and Tanya, although I pretty much oh, yeah. knew, I knew it was right, right away. away that it was the two of them. Yeah. And so Mobley's saying he's had enough risk for one lifetime. He doesn't want to talk about this anymore. And Tanya's saying, but yeah, but what if we could generate the keys? He wants to shut it down, just basically stay in this out-of-the-way town where nobody's going to find them, get their own place, live a simple life. But she's not content with that. She says, just look at it. If what I discovered is real, do you know what that means? We could potentially undo this whole thing and put it back the way it was. So she's found something to reverse all the effects of the hack that we've seen. Well, I mean, basically what they did in the hack was just encrypted all the information and that shut everything down. So Mm -hmm. if they have a key to the encryption, Mm -hmm. they can basically... The key's in Angela's hand. Maybe in her pocket. That was great. Uh, Frederick is perfectly content with this new life. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I just do not even want to go back there. And he was the one panicking the most. He's been the one kind of promoting that for a while and tanya is not happy and she's actually been 
using the computer in the interwebs again, and she may have figured out how to turn back time <laughs> on the issue that they created. Yeah, and just about <laughs> what Ryan was saying, too, um, we had somebody write in, um, thank you to key to jail talking about the key, and we were you know, discussing that with the last episode with Angela and the Lolita thing. But even more so than that, we forgot about season one, episode four, where Elliot's having his first dream sequence during mm-hmm. the drug withdrawal. Right. And Elliot gives Angela a key, oh. and she returns it saying it doesn't fit. Hmm. So I had completely forgotten. I yeah. remembered that dream sequence and all right. the other yeah. weird stuff that was going on, but I didn't remember anything having to do with a key. So she gave it back to him because it didn't fit at the time, but it does now. And his question is, Elliot's still dreaming. I hope to God not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the way this scene ends was, I thought, what saved it, and that was really? that Leon walks up, no. and it was oh, my yes. favorite part i was really disappointed Leon's with the ending back. until that moment when he walks up and he says just one time. quick question do you have the time yeah i'm i'm so glad Leon's how many back. levels does that exist i was concerned i thought he was there to kill him because of what they were talking about uh undoing everything that they had done so far mm-hmm. so i but said I don't immediately think so. he must be there to protect them right. because yeah, he's, he's the protector. protector right? He's yeah. the protector, and that if they wanted sense, somebody though. killed, we would see guys in motorcycle jackets. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree. But then I thought it was interesting that, like we said before, if White Rose is in on this taking the whole thing down right. business, then why would she want to protect the two people that are fighting to bring the whole thing back? But she did talk about, when she was talking to Dom in China... She was talking about like reminiscing, like, have you ever thought about what it would have been like if the mm-hmm. five nine never happened? So and I don't maybe, think she wanted that to happen. Right. I really, I think she's got some. But other she motives. worked with the, Elliot. She knew what was going on. They had their part. They had to take it. They had to wipe out all the drives over there. Yeah, but if she's got some kind of control over things, she can reverse certain elements. Right, but of she that. still had to go through with the plan in Initially. the first place. Yeah. Wait, so Leon yeah. wasn't there to kill them? I don't no. think so. He's a protector. That's what I thought also. We know him as the protector, right? He protected Elliot? He did. Elliot. Yeah, right. but... He, he also killed the whole bunch of guys. Two guys in motorcycles would have just came by and, and just... Popped them off in... They were in the with wide machine open. guns. I mean, that's what we've been seeing with somebody that's taking okay. them out. And I think All right, because I didn't even get that. So he's there to protect them from what? We don't know yet. We don't know the full story. Okay. Well, we don't know if they're there. He's there to protect them, but well, I get the thinking. I get the and it's a side. little it's a little bit of um, you know because that could have a double meaning. So, do you have the time? Like it yeah. maybe makes us a little bit scared for them, but ultimately them. they were were they talking about undoing White Rose's plan, undoing that's, the yeah. five well, that's nine. That's what we were just saying. If if that indeed. I mean, way, maybe, way to listen. Maybe Jamal. she wants it undone. <laughs> I think it's entirely possible that she, that could be part of it as well. So that store, the uh, Temple-esque facade, it's a dual snake motif. It's not mm-hmm. a dragon, apparently. Well, it's, yeah, it's 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 like what we were saying before, though. The Ouroboros. Yeah. Ouroboros. Well, it's a two-faced Janus, hmm. the god of doors. Janus. Janus, the god of doors, time, and transitions. Yeah. Hmm. So we got time again there. I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen more about Janice, speaking of that. That was a good uh, 
call up. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our robot rating. Yeah, we're and at three hours. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I'll just give you the last thoughts from one of our clatchers. And anything extra we have, we're going to put in our bonus cast. Right. And next week. we'll be coming at you with that next week. Coming at you. So like I said, IMDb gave this a 9.4. Rotten Tomatoes, as of 13 reviews, had a 69%. And the consensus said season two is by and large a season-long trailer for season three, as Ryan said before. Fuck you. That's rarely a good look on a TV show, and it's what keeps this season from reaching the heights of season one. But at the same time, it's a trailer that does some really great stuff. Alternately, they said it was unfocused and poorly structured, and there was not much closure, but it was a distinct end point. So, I was a little bit down in the beginning of the season. We'll go over all our robot ratings next week. I felt pretty good about it from that point on. I wasn't totally thrilled by this ending, but I wasn't massively disappointed either. I'm going to give it an 8.8. Ooh, okay. I'm going with 9.7. Clatchers, look at the scene again with Elliot getting shot. Now that you know what's happening and you're not going off of emotions and just watching it. Look at how beautifully done it was, mm. you know, just with Mr. Robot kind of like flickering away and the way he says, uh, what does he say at the end? Like, uh, I had to do this, yeah. even if it meant destroying us. Right. Yeah. Well, because it'll take him out, too. That's why yeah, we're and then how it, and then how he started, his voice started to flick away. I just thought it was beautiful. And this, the shot was beautiful. Also, you know, it all comes back around. Everything in the end comes back. And that's why I remained patient in the beginning of this season. And no, maybe it's not the best ending of a season, but I'm still excited for next season. I'm still patient because I know I'm enjoying the ride, which is what I said, I think, in the beginning of this season. I'm just going to enjoy the ride and, and love what comes around. A lot of questions were asked, but yes, there are more questions. I'm very intrigued of uh, Joanna, like... When she goes and talks to Elliot, I'm guessing that she's going to be the one to talk some sense into him. And in that sense, we're going to get more, a little bit more of a clear clarity on what's going on. And I think it'll make us, it'll make her stronger again in our eyes. Like, okay, she has a reason now again. Well, I just want to, before you give your rating, you've been rating all season seemingly on the anticipation of what's to come. And now you're talking again about rating based on the anticipation of what you'd like for season three. But how did you feel about season two alone? No, and this finale as a standalone. It's not just the anticipation. It's that it's making me. It still continues to make me excited mm-hmm. for the anticipation. But I'm also getting breadcrumbs along the way mm-hmm. okay. that are just as exciting. No, they're not like punch you in the stomach craziness, but. They're they're perfect. They're beautiful in their own nature. Okay. I give the bot rating a nine point seven. Hmm. It was higher. It's one of my higher episodes. I think this it season. is your highest. Maybe. Yeah, I love this episode. I thought it was great. I thought it ended well. I've got everything I needed mm-hmm. from it to validate the entire season. I got enough answers. Not all the answers, obviously. <laughs> I still like you want the Washington Township stuff, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that will happen and we'll find out more about the 28 minutes mm-hmm. hopefully next season yeah. right um i really enjoyed this episode so uh a 9.8 we found out where joanna was going we found out what happened to trenton and mobley mm-hmm. we found out what if tyrell was real we found out what stage two was mm-hmm. um so we find out 
how much Dom knows. Right. We found out what the FBI knows, you know, and that they're not all idiots and it's not just, right. just Dom. Jam Jam? Um, a 9.9, only because I'm giving it room for improvement. Okay. <laughs> but it's one of my um, highest ones. Like, everything Ryan said, like, it wrapped up everything. And just like what you were saying, they still left me intrigued they still left more on the table for me to want to find out about yeah yet i was given so much information about each character they've turned into completely different people i've learned so much like i didn't even get price in this episode Mm -hmm. there was just so much going on in this thing and it is it is just boggling my mind and uh-huh. they've they've and like i said it's it's gone into religion so i i'm i'm in love with this whole thing i don't even care about the power plant now like and yet that's there for me to find out about like, yes. that's so exciting well i just want to give you two quick listener comments to close this out because echoing both sides of the sentiment Scott said, I have 18 minutes left in Python Part 2. This is while he was watching. And I really felt for the most of it, Asmail is going along with everyone's theories. Uh, I'm not sure if it's intentional play for geek approval or if everyone was just right about everything, which (laughs) I thought was funny. And Wade wrote in to say he thought there was a fair amount of payoff in the finale. He said... Um, like you guys just said, the things that we did learn were Red Wheelbarrow, is Tyrell real, what is stage two, where are Trent and Mobley, that Angie is working with Wright Rose now, that Elliot is still alive, and plus, we saw Joey Badass. And he finishes by saying, when Tyrell told Angela that he loved Elliot, and Angela said she did as well, did you guys find yourself saying, me too? (laughs) Awesome. So I thought that was a great way to wrap up what we saw in this season two finale. We got to give a shout out to Scott law 66, Kyle songs and HRS.LKMN for leaving us awesome reviews on the Mr. Robot channel and for Chaka booty for leaving us a sick review on the coffee clatch crew channel. Please keep those coming. It only helps us. Also, we want to give a, a thank you to cursed Marie for giving us an app mention with a hilarious gif on Twitter and for also writing about us in her blog about Mr. Robot. It was a great article about her theory on Mr. Robot Season 2. You can find a link to her blog on her Twitter, at Kat Dallins. And thank you to everybody else who wrote to us on Twitter. We love the interaction. Keep it coming. Stay with us on Twitter for our next shows, and let's just keep this conversation going. Lastly, again on our Twitter, we had some fans write in response. They also voted on the poll, but they also wrote to us... uh, in response to what shows we should do next. At FanCorrect wrote, it would be a disservice to your fans if you don't review Black Mirror. At Ross Wagner wrote, do Westworld. I love Black Mirror too, but the episodic and world-building nature of Westworld is better for the discussion. At Dumb, Dumbo Doggies wrote, I vote for Black Mirror. At Jittery Kangaroo wrote, great idea to put up this vote. Now we just have to do the right thing and make sure Westworld wins. And so much more. Thank you for everyone for following us and getting in touch with us on Twitter. All right, that's the podcast. Thanks for listening, like always. We'll see you next week. Take care of yourselves. Hit us up on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe. Till next time. This round is on me. You know, when you gave me this, you said to stop anyone who gets in the way of our plan. I didn't know what you meant, but now it's very clear. 
You did this to yourself, Elliot. You asked earlier what all the way is. This is it. Sorry, kiddo. I couldn't let anyone stop this. Including us. <laughs>